This is the Movie Hall of Fame Dealer's Choice Edition for Saturday, April 16th, 2020. And there he is across the table from me, the great procrastinator himself, Adam Hall. The great procrastinator. (laughs) That's what it's going to say on your tombstone. We procrastinate. Adam Hall, the great procrastinator. We had work to do, you and I. Procrastinator of podcasts. We were doing other things. It wasn't our fault. Sorry we're late. Sorry, we had to attend Gilbert Godfrey's funeral this That's right. week. That's right. <clears throat> it was a very sad occasion. Yes. Had to deliver the eulogy. You, Yeah, it was a nice eulogy you delivered. I did go to two funerals this week. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had things going on. It, for, <laughs> Apologies. Yeah, for you. I, I didn't have any uh, uh, funerals. I just had work and then film. I had to film something. Right. And then, you know, work stayed late. We were going to do it yesterday. Shit happens. Happens. Uh, we were going to do it last week, and then we got very intoxicated the night before, and we're like, yeah. this is not going to happen. Yeah. So why are you blaming me? I know. It's actually my fault. Yeah. Well, it was the fault of some people at that party, I would say. What? Much better, I will say, much better than I thought it was. Good would. party. I it thought we had a bad, good time, right? It was not right? a bad party. I had a good time. Yes, yes, yes. We yes. camped out in the corner. I mean, the key is you got to just like mm. stake your territory early and not move. Not move at all. That's the problem. Right. I didn't expect to see some people there. There's a there's a gentleman there who uh, worked on a short film with me. He was like the right. sound guy. A yeah. couple of things, actually, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah. This guy's a big, big Chris, Chris Nolan fan, so we sometimes go at it. Uh, yeah, he dressed like he worked at Foot Locker, right? Yeah. Is that the same guy I'm thinking of? Yes, yes. Vertical he, stripes? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Who was dancing like, up a storm with everybody. It was a strange party. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won the, the greatest gift of all, which was a, a, a tray of Bath and Body Works soap, you know? Yeah, I, I won 100 bucks. Oh, yeah, that's right. I won 100 bucks cash. I probably won $100 worth of soaps, so I guess- Have you used any of them yet? Hell yeah. Doesn't seem like it. Ugh. <laughs> too bad i just stink perpetual stink yeah that was a fun party it was, but yeah. That, yeah we got in like a half hour argument about like the best sports numbers that was fun though i like that that's <laughs> it's ridiculous like when you think back to it and it's like what the fuck were we talking about i argue 42 is still like possibly the most iconic and it was jackie robinson day yeah, yesterday yeah. and is that right yeah oh. so what they do in in, in the mlb is that every team has the number 42 on all of the jerseys. Oh, wow. So every wow, single wow. person has 42 on their back. Damn. So it's cool. That's, it's a cool thing. And it is very aesthetically pleasing. I'll give is, you that. It is. Yeah. We, we were hanging out with some friends at this thing. And like, I, what will happen often with Adam and I at these functions is that we just sort of go into our own worlds. We'll just sort of zero in on each other and mm. just talk about nonsense for 45 minutes. Basically. And people will dip into the conversation and be like, I want no part of this. They keep I'm coming back. Out. They, well, they dip into it, for, and then they they'll go away. They'll they'll always come back. Yeah, but it, it, I don't they know realize that, that it's a major mistake once they because what they get is this podcast. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's basically just just it's like I feel that way about uh, uh, McDonald's food to a degree. Yeah, I always go back to McDonald's, but I almost always regret it. Right. Aside from the if I'm just you do it right though. Funny enough, if it's just the fries, nothing well. else. I wouldn't say I do it right. But. No, you don't. But <laughs> if yeah. I'm giving McDonald's anything, it might as well just be the fries. Yeah. Walking up to us in the middle of a social event is like going to your phone and pulling up the Movie Hall of Fame. And okay. usually they last around the same amount of time. So Abby had the day off yesterday, went to the beach with a friend of hers, uh-huh. and the two girls listened to the Happening podcast Oh no! on the way back. Oh, no. 10 out of 10 rave reviews rave reviews they loved it really they loved it i I come to see abby yesterday the first thing she says adam it's happening 
I'm like, what? I sensed it. What? <laughs> what did you just say, Abigail? <laughs> We've seen the signs. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, we're here. We're yep. late. We're going to make it up to you, though. Next week, we're going to get back on track, give you an extra podcast. Mm. We won't jip you no. on these things. Mm-mm. Uh, and there's some fun podcasts coming in the next couple of weeks. We so. got a bunch planned, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah. But for now, uh, we do this every few months or so. It's the Dealer's Choice podcast. This is the third time we've done Dealer's Choice. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we'll talk about a particular movie year or a particular theme. Uh, we'll talk about a director's filmography or a film series of some kind. And every once in a while, there are just these scraps sitting around, these leftovers that can't fit into any specific category and this is a nice excuse to expose each other to movies that maybe uh, the other one hasn't seen or just talk about a classic canonical movie that that hasn't been discussed and uh, there's no real rhyme or reason there's just six movies that we really like and we're going to talk about them today yeah yeah. Sometimes we break the. I mean, I think at first it was like of the years that we've covered. That was the original conceit for a dealer's choice. But this is going to be one example where one of my picks was something that I knew you hadn't seen, and it just blew my mind that you hadn't seen it. Yeah. So I was like, it doesn't matter that we haven't covered this year, and frankly, we probably won't cover this year. Yeah. So I figured, you know, this is really the only time we're going to get to do it. Yeah. So those six movies: King Kong from 1933. The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover from 1989. <laughs> Those two movies next to each other. This is a weird one. Thelma and Louise from 91. <laughs> the Birdcage from 1996. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery <laughs> from 1997. And Margaret from 2011. <laughs> this is puke. This is just like, a, you look at that and it's just like, I don't know what that dish is. <laughs> reminds me of the dish from one of the movies we're going to talk about. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No rhyme or reason. Just yep. six movies that we really like. One of them's getting into the movie Hall of Fame. Can't wait to talk about them. Hell yeah. You like this list? You th- I like all of the movies on this list. I'll say that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. This is a gr- this I think this is actually this is always a good list. I don't think we've ever had a a, a loser for yeah. this. They've always been good. Uh are there any movies that you have watched recently that you would like to share with the people? The people? Yes. Got to keep in touch with the people. Well, let's see. Cuz I have a I always have a running list since the last we talked. Yes. Some movies that matter more than others. Well, I watched Margaret for the first time. That's right. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, I watched The Adam Project. Came out this year. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you, know, you get it. Right. You get it. <laughs> Those two will not stop. No. They uh, won't stop. That's bad. Like, it's really sad that that movie exists. I and, was, and it seems to be doing well. I guess, you know. It was not, you know what it was knocked off by in the number one spot? On Netflix? Yeah. What? Yeah. Blade Runner 2049. Really? Yeah. 2049 experiencing a bit of a renaissance. Yeah, it was number one on Netflix for like a week and a half. A reappraisal. No kidding. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Good for that movie. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, there you go. People wow. like that Blade Runner. Uh, and then I saw uh, Odd Thomas, <laughs> which is not very good. What? It's a, It was one of Anton Yelchin's films from 19... 19- uh, two th- 2013 it's a steven somers film only because uh my, my my parents were watching it so i was like oh what what's this and it wasn't very good okay um so that was that so i was <laughs> searching what's it called odd thomas? odd thomas it's based off of a dean coots book coots dean coots yeah is it a foreign film or it's a no english language it's a real movie okay it's you would jesus christ you would oh know. steven somers yeah steven somers yeah 
Uh, Mummy, same, yeah. Right. Yeah. What an IMDb page. And G.I. Joe Retaliation. I forgot he did that. And G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra. Oh, my God. Yeah, he kind of went downhill, didn't he? Just a little. Are there three G.I. Joe movies? I think now there is because Snake Eyes just came out, which I did not see. But it must be a great film, right? Oh, so the first movie is Rise of the Cobra? Yeah, Rise of the Cobra, then you get uh, Retaliation, and then Snake Eyes, which I don't think anybody saw. Yeah, Retaliation came out when studios were like, we've cracked the code. Just put the rock in every single action franchise. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. Because it was right after Fast Five, mm-hmm. or, and actually, oh no, Fast Six would have been around that time. And The Rock was just top of the world, and they're like, we can take these mediocre franchises with, without a sense of humor and just put The Rock in it, and instantly it becomes a comedy. Oh, my God. You know? But but didn't work, though. Did that movie no, make money? I don't think so. I feel like it didn't. I don't. I mean, he's definitely not where he was before, by the way, that Rock. Yeah. People don't like him, to, to my understanding. Maybe kids like him. Kids love him. Yeah, I, I think you're just not hanging out with I guess. the common folk. But he sucks. Or at least the yeah, stuff he Red does. Notice was huge, man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Red Notice was ma- like Red Notice is like subsidizing Power of the Dog. You know? Yeah, like that's. <laughs> it's a. I didn't see it, but like, is it just that star power? I think all three of those guys are just trash, basically. Yeah, they're they're one is worse than the next. Who's the worst, Gal? Dude, I watched Death on the Nile recently. I heard. Yeah. Goodness me. She's the killer, right? Uh no, Army Hammer. Do I want to spoil this? It's not her. It's Can Army. I spoil Death on the Nile for people? Arm- I'll, sp- I'll spoil it. Uh, Gal Gadot is the one that is killed. Oh, she's the one that's killed. Yeah. So, but here's the problem: is they cast Gal Gadot in the part, and Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. She's huge. Mm-hmm. She's a massive movie star. You can't put her on the poster and kill her off ten minutes in. So they do an hour of just Gal Gadot in Egypt, and she gets killed like at the hour 15 mark. Okay. So there's a lot of just twiddling your thumbs until the actual murder. It takes a while. It yeah. is a lot of just Gal Gadot and Army Hammer in front of a fucking blue screen in an Atlanta studio. And, uh, yeah. Woof. Huh. Kind of entertaining, though. <laughs> like, not... Oh, boy. Direct, <laughs> directed by Oscar winner Kenneth Branagh. That's right. Who, who, who Better screenwriter than Paul Thomas Anderson. Much better. Yeah. Much better. I mean, not really a debate, right? Yeah, no debate. The yeah, Oscar I, said so. Tell your parents to watch Death on the Nile. I I think like they'll enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. It seems like they would. Yeah. Same with like Murder on the Orient Express. Same deal. I think this one's a little better. <laughs> They're just fine, whatever types of movies. I don't know. There's a scene in the new movie where it's it's like an origin story. It's a black and white flashback for mm. Hercule Poirot's mustache. What? It's an origin story for his mustache. Where did the mustache come from? He grew it. Yes, it came from his face, but the the why is more the question here than the where, you know? It's it's why does he have a mustache? Well, you find out. Were we clamoring for that? I didn't particularly. Well, it wasn't a question on my mind, not once. Yeah. Death on the Nile. <sighs> a, a early front runner at the Eskers this year. Yeah. Early front <laughs> Can't runner. wait for that one. Yeah. Uh, Adam Project right now is my number one Eskers film so far. N- not even close. I'm sorry, it's Eskers. Eskers. Right. I also saw Searching, which I loved. This is the one that takes place on a 
screen. Yeah. On the computer screen, yeah. Surprisingly John Show. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Deborah Messing. Mm-hmm. Good movie. Really good movie. Very inventive, yeah. Yeah, very happy with that one. Uh, I uh, finally saw all of Twilight Zone, the movie. Ah. I, I'd only ever seen George Miller's uh, film. Uh, astonished by how much better it is than basically all the other ones. Joe Dante's is good, but like it's so clearly the best. Remind me what Joe Dante's was. The kid in the house with the cartoon characters, which was really fun. Yeah. That, that like that one was solid. Yeah. Uh, also, Spielberg's is not good. Surprise! Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out which one I, I hate more the the Landis one or the or the Spielberg one. And didn't someone die during the Landis one? It's a very cursed yeah. story, uh, right? Vic Morrow was. Uh, uh, doing a shot where he had to take two kids who were illegally hired. Uh, oh, is that right? Yeah, across a little a little pond, and then there's a helicopter above shooting at him, and then it crashes. Not intentionally, it crashed on accident. Uh, the rotors chopped Vic Morrow's head off and one of the little kids' head off. Goodness! And, and then the skid lands on the, the little girl, kills all three of them. Oh my God! So yeah, and John Landis. Well, how was the film? <laughs> Uh, not good. Okay. And that's the that's the, the upsetting. Not Vic, worth the death of three innocent people. Is that what you're saying? You can saying? believe it. Yeah. And I know most films are worth the deaths of, of, of many people. But yeah, that is the yeah, that's one of the worst segments. Yeah. No, it's nothing. It's just yeah. nothing. Yeah. It's dumb. Like that was my, my problem with it. I was like Vic Morrow's really good in it, but its point is just so obvious and stupid and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I just like like Spielberg's is like whoa dude like like and i thought spielberg sentiment sentimentality is bad but this is like on another level of bad yes but at least it's well made at the yeah at the, spielberg kind of can't help himself yeah yeah. yeah 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 and it's like okay and at least it has heart like this like landis is i just got like nothing out of that one absolutely yeah. nothing but then you get to joe dante's and it's like whoa okay what's this and this is really cool and it's just gremlins before gremlins and then you get to george miller's and he just kicks the shit out of everybody's film. not even he fucking does. close yeah yeah yeah, not that good a movie. Half a good movie. Yeah, it's hard to judge. No. Yeah, I love watching old Twilight Zone episodes, though. I've seen a few. Yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not a Twilight Zone like savant or anything, but like I I've always liked it. In college, my buddies and I went on a kick where we would just like <laughs> hang out and just have Twilight Zones playing in the background, like it was like music. Oh, you fucking hipster! Yeah, we were such nerds. <laughs> you say you weren't a hipster. Let's 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 walk into the to this college dorm. What the hell are you Dude, watching? We had a Halloween party. <laughs> I, I kid know. you not. We invited a couple girls, but I don't think they were having oh, that good no. a time. And there was just Twilight Terror at 20,000 feet oh, playing no, with background. <laughs> Who's that guy? Well, that's William Shatner. <laughs> I kid you not. We were at UConn. Oh, we were. No. Man, no wonder none of us got laid. Oh, that's bad. Oh, man. Good times. <laughs> What's the music we're playing at this party? Do 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 do. It's like <laughs> no music. Fuck that. Just Sterling. Just Rod Sterling. <laughs> What's on the playlist tonight? I literally just the dulcet tones of Rod Sterling. I even I'm opening that door to your room and I'm just like I'm shutting nope. it immediately. <laughs> I'm out. And I like the Twilight Zone, but oh, I, I ain't doing that. That's funny. I got to remind them. I'm seeing those guys tonight. I got to remind them of that story. That's absolutely crazy. That's so funny. Um, I, I also have to mention I saw Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was good, but not quite I heard f- you were muted on it. 
maybe uh, we'll talk next week about it because I will have seen it by the next show. Okay. I, I'd like to have a further conversation because okay. it seems like this is a, a big movie now. People it, are really into it. Cri- the, okay. Uh, the internet is. Yes. People, I don't, I didn't feel that way coming at, like no one w- that I was watching the movie with kind of had that vibe with it. I will okay. say that. But the internet is obsessed with this movie. Yes. So it's crazy. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't have that response at all. But it's a good movie, but like, you know, it's not not quite my thing. Yeah. And finally, I saw a, a film called The Cursed. Mm. Uh, and I adored it. It's it's yeah, it's flawed, I guess. But yeah, it's very, very high on my list. Really? <laughs> I Yeah, it's mostly for me. You know, it's it, a new film. It just came out this year. Well, I mean, it had it had like a festival circuit in 2021, but it's Got it. released this year. Got it. Uh, you know, it's like I you don't I don't. You don't think Boyd Holbrook's going to be good in a movie? And he's pretty good. Shut your mouth. Pretty good. I love Boyd Holbrook. Some people don't. Yeah. I think that guy's a hell of an actor. I love it when he sh- I love him in Logan. Yeah, I do like him in Logan too, but he's also in Predator. The Predator. Yeah, that, that's not his but that's fault. That's not his fault, yeah. No, I think he's a good actor. All right, good, good, good. Because I was like, is he a bad actor? Because I'm not seeing it here. He's really good. No, I, I think you look at him and you assume he's you know, a straight to red box action yeah. star guy. Like he's one of like, you know, the one of the Hemsworth brothers almost. Mm. Just a very anonymous looking, yeah. you know, white action guy. I don't know. I, I like him in Walk Among the Tombstones. Yeah. He's in Gone Girl. I mean I don't know. Yeah. No, I I I'm just like I'm just like, is it okay to like this guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's You're allowed. You have permission. Okay. Yeah, because I I really, really liked him in this. Uh it's just got this like perfect atmosphere that I always look for in, in horror films like this. And it is um, are you going to see it? Probably not. Is it like really scary? I was surprisingly a little freaked out by it. Yeah. Oh boy. I, but I I can't tell you what it's about because like w- the thing that makes it great is like the reveal of like what the movie's actually. I'm looking at the poster and I think that's pretty clear, right? What? Does this not say it all? I don't know. What do you think? Well, it looks like vampire teeth. Okay. Is this not a vampire movie? Can't tell you. Okay, but it, yeah, don't read about it because I, I won't read about it. But I, 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 I encourage people if you don't know what it's about, don't look up what it's about because it makes the re- the reveal that much more satisfying. Have you seen this director's other films, Sean Ellis? No, I have not. Uh, he made a movie called Anthropoid a few years back. Okay. I remember seeing posters for this as well. I think it was like a Nazi mm. thing. Yeah, yeah, not a horror movie, just a straight okay. uh, with Jamie Dornan All and right. Killian Murphy. Interesting. Yeah. No, but I I loved the movie. It's got a few like spotty sections, but the the craft is so good and it's so freaky and and also just again the performances across the board are great and the way it handles its mythology is so interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, also has like some some of the more visually memorable sequences I've seen this year, particularly a massacre sequence, which is just horrifying. Fun. Uh, yeah. It's 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 to me it's excellent. I don't think I don't think it's getting a lot of love. You know, from from anyone in particular, but it was just like designed for me. And but I, I don't know. I think it's a really good movie. Uh, I had one more movie I wanted to bring up. It's called Deep Water. <laughs> you saw? I remember you mentioning you saw this. Uh, it stars Ada de Armas and Ben Affleck. Much delayed film. Kind of. A, I don't know if it was a troubled production, but it kind of felt like the studio had the movie sitting there, ready to go, and they just didn't want to deploy it until the right moment. And I guess the right moment was on Hulu in February, so they mm-hmm. dropped it. And <sighs> man, I wanted to like it so much. You know how excited I was for it. Yeah. I I think the two of them are just like 
born to do erotic thrillers mm. and i really want like it didn't feel like america was craving an erotic thriller but it seemed like people were really craving this one all right it's a genre that i missed and uh it's the fatal attraction director right it is the, right yeah. returning he hasn't made a movie in like 20 years jesus i love that movie yeah, yeah. uh just not that sexy and not that thrilling seems so, boring to me very boring like you're mm. watching and it's like where is the tension here like mm. you're looking for the conflict you're looking for like something to sink your teeth into and it kind of ends with a twist but not really it's not really like everything that's happening just is kind of happening the way it is like it could have used a fatal attraction kind of twist it could have used a basic instinct kind of twist yeah. and it just it wasn't grimy enough it wasn't erotic enough it what it wasn't anything it was just kind of a very straightforward competently directed competently acted uh bore fest to be honest with you uh really a shame a shame i saw Ana de armas's boobs and i was like whatever and I should never... You've seen them before, bro. True. But I should never shrug it on a day Armis's boobs. Let's just be clear. They've never been better when they were 50 feet tall and pink. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe that's why Blade Runner 2049 is at the top of the <laughs> There we go. Track. Yeah. Just Did you guys know? That's what that's about. Did you know? I know. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's get to the main event here. Dealer's Choice Volume 3. We will begin with... A movie that you selected from 1933, a movie that I had not seen, and you thought it was ludicrous, and I agree, it is ludicrous that I had never seen the original King Kong, directed by Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shodzak, starring Fay Ray in the iconic role, Robert Armstrong and Bruce Cabot. Zero Oscar nominations for King Kong. Uh crazy i i would say so ludic i mean i would agree a lot of the categories it would have won an oscar for were not invented yet i mean like it was yeah inventing the craft that would ultimately become best mm. special effects you yeah know? exactly exactly but still nothing for king kong uh, a film crew goes to a tropical island for an exotic location shoot and discovers a colossal ape who takes a shine to their female blonde star he is then captured and brought back to New York City for public exhibition. <laughs> uh, you all know the plot of King Kong by now. Uh, AFI called it the number 41 movie of all time. Sounds about right. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot that we can talk about in terms of the making of this movie, the behind the scenes. I will just say, watching it now, almost 100 years after the fact. Yep. Goodness, is it effective? It is a jam. What of a jam movie. of a movie. This movie's just like, like it's crazy. By the way, because um, I saw this film, you know, as a kid, as a kid, I think I rented it from Blockbuster, and you know, I, I, you know, I look at it, I'm just like, yeah, I want to see King Kong break stuff. I wasn't prepared as a little kid for how like scary the movie kind of is at that age too. Like, I, I cite this as one of those movies that made me more okay seeing people die in a movie, like when you get to like the brontosaurus in the swamp. And scenes like that. Yeah. And just how like blunt the film is about like casting off all the supporting characters in the crew. It, it's so like, oh, it's just so it just doesn't care at all. It just yeah. doesn't care. Like the nature element of this film is actually quite strong. Yeah. Particularly when, when they get to the scene with the log and you just they fall and then you, you get the shot all the way down to the basin. And then the people just they're screaming and then 
Right. And I just thud. It's oh god. It's just it's really, really, really great stuff. It's really violent. It's really violent. How about when King Kong rips the T Rex open? Yeah. I'm sure when you saw the the Peter Jackson one, you were like, oh, that's intense for this movie. But then you don't you realize like, yeah, that's a direct reference to what they that do. That is in crazy. It's it's like what the the moment in the new Star is Born where Bradley Cooper goes, I just wanted to take another look at you. Mm. And then you watch the original Star is Born and it's like, holy shit, that's in the original movie. Yeah, they yeah, thought yeah, of yeah. this 70 years ago. Th- yeah, that's how I thought about this one. Like <laughs> seeing that as it's just like the st- to this day. It's like because I, I watched it uh, only like a couple months ago because it was on TV. I'm just like, ooh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's funny now. Just, just, I mean, this movie for me is just like a jam. It's a wonderful adventure. And I actually really like going on this adventure with these characters. You know, they're not yeah. like the most like well-defined people in the world, but who cares? No. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's the 30s. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it, you get a pass. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, every time I just watch this, it is like one of the more entertaining films I've ever seen. And, it's super entertaining. And it doesn't let up. And it's funny watching this movie relative to um, Peter Jackson's and just seeing <laughs> the amount of like... I don't know just how mean this movie can be in a good way though particularly like if you compare the two scenes with when King Kong finally you know spoiler if you don't know <laughs> climbs the empire it's only the most iconic shot in all of movies <laughs> I know it is, literally yeah. there's a, like quite literally nothing more iconic yeah. yeah but no he climbs the Empire State Building and gets shot by the planes and then he falls and then in Peter Jackson one it's this really sad like oh my god big monkey Right. I'm so sad, monkey. And then slow motion falls off, tumbles down. I think yeah, he caresses the girl, I and know. it's this very yeah. And then cut to this one. Fuck the monkey. Still, like let put me down, monkey. And right. then he, and then he falls and he hits the side of the building. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is unrelenting. The yep, first yep. half hour is a little slow, like mm-hmm. when they're setting up exactly what's happening, and the plot is very thin, and there's this romance that's shoved in there for no reason. But then once King Kong shows up, it's all creatures and miniatures yep. and puppets and stop motion and pr- rear projection. Like, it is like there's a lot of special effects happening, a ton of it. And then when you read about like the behind the scenes on this stuff, now. Look how long Avatar Two is taking to shoot. Like it's been thirteen years. There, you know, James Cameron is is waiting for them to invent the camera that could be used to shoot all this nonsense. That's his fault. Like he's being a fucking. They did King Kong in like two months. Like yeah. they just threw it together and they were coming up with all these effects on the fly, and it looks great. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like stuff that they were not able to do in the fifties consistently well. They were doing in the thirties. Like oh, the camera tricks are great here. Think about all the shitty B movies. Think about all the Ed Wood movies that were getting made in the 50s like the amount of resourcefulness and stuff like it it, i imagine it would have been such a nightmare to do in 1933 but they do this thing in a matter of weeks and then they they churn out the sequel in the same year the movie did so well song of kong comes out Mm -hmm. nine months after the release of this movie it's insane with using the same techniques too it's yeah. insane that they're able to invent all of these techniques and then do them just as well nine months afterwards. It's it's crazy. It, it really is crazy. Like, I thought that Kong would just sort of show up for a few scenes and would be this very janky thing. But you're right. The second they show up on the island, it's unrelenting. Yep. New creature, new creature, new creature. I love that, though. And it's- 
it's so ahead of its time, not just because of the effects, but also think about the world building that this movie is doing. You know, and not in your face about it either. Just kind of right. laying it out as the action goes along, which right. is great. We love that. Like there's just another dinosaur here, you know, yep, like yep. whereas now if King Kong gets made for the first time, like each one of these creatures would have a name and a backstory yeah, and yeah, like yeah. a genus and a species <laughs> name. Like it would have the whole thing, you know, uh, and like, you know, e- even the new Kong Skull Island movie like really lingers on some of those creatures <laughs> so, and yeah. it shows off with its special effects but here like it's just very sort of subtle world building that it's doing it's mm-hmm. just a horrifying island that they stumbled yeah. upon and it really tees itself up for the sequels and I can't imagine that it had this entire franchise in mind in 1930 no definitely not I mean especially back then too I don't think they had any clue what like a what a franchise would really look like particularly franchises now yeah but it is ripe with that kind of stuff funny I mean because this is even before Godzilla yeah Godzilla's yeah. not not for almost another it's 40 years yeah no 50s yeah 54 54. yeah yeah Yeah. which is crazy to me and there's a few more i think kong movies that come out before that but is this like the first couple what's the first like franchise this is amongst the first has to be right it's what i mean the the universal monster movies i guess um not much else though no not really i mean were the silent films of like the marx brothers kind of in the vein of a film series sort of you could argue chaplin's tramp but they're but they're, they're all totally different movies they just kind of carry over the motif of that character but he's not right. even technically the same character right yeah no yeah this is this is kind of an important film in that way yeah man i just i don't have much i don't have a lot of negativity to say about that very like important film to me sure yeah yeah, I mean, like, listen, some of this stuff is going to look a little janky because it was 100 years ago. It's fun, though. God, it is. It's just it, It's kind of, it's one of those movies, you know, a lot of times you watch these artifacts to learn about the history of film. Yeah, like You're in film too. school or whatever, and you watch it, and you're like, okay, this is whatever, but it's kind of homework. I thought the homework of this movie was actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I enjoyed the process of, like, figuring out how certain special effects were done or like when they chose to use, use rear projection, when they chose oh, to yeah. use map painting, mm-hmm. like, and you know, some of that experience is kind of like when you're watching a cartoon and you see that an object on a table is about to be picked up, you know how like, Oh yeah. It's because it's, the way that the cells are drawn, it's like, yeah. you can tell that that thing is about to move. Yeah. So sometimes like, you know, the way that they're using the special effects here, that person isn't going to get eaten by the dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I mean, it's still like a fun puzzle to kind of, deconstruct in a way yeah i still think you can watch the movie as it is i I, i'm still that believer like the movie is just its whole other like weird nightmare world that you can just kind of situate yourself in if you're if you're willing to give yourself over to the movie it's really not that hard right like i said and i mean like you're you are right though when it comes to like the uh the, the trickery nowadays there's still a lot that i find incredibly impressive yeah. On, on on most fronts, particularly the finale, but anything in the jungle, of course. I love when he when he first um, comes onto the screen, and they do like great work with you know the the rear projection, the miniatures, and then uh uh, uh what Feyre? Yeah, Feyre. Yeah, Feyre. Yeah. Feyre is that is that right? Feyre. Feyre. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I'm forgetting that. But there's just a tremendous amount of attention to detail with stuff like that to making it feel a little more real. It doesn't skimp out on anything. And like you would think that a movie that was, you know, like turned out in two months, at least the effects anyway, were turned out in two months that it would have been a little rushed, but doesn't feel that way at all. Mm -hmm. At all. I don't know. I I, like I said, I I watch this movie occasionally and it's still a, a shit ton of fun. Yeah. I guess you could say the stuff that hasn't aged well is like the native stuff, but. 
That's like saying it and hasn't I, aged well because it's in black and white, though. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, like, oh, if only it was in color, then it would be a little more, you know, for obvious. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. This movie was actually inspired by this this nineteen thirty movie called In Ingagi, I N G A G I, Ingagi, um, which was presented, advertised as a documentary, but really it's it's fictionalized. It's kind of like a mockumentary, okay. um, although not really called that at the time, and it's like quite disturbing. Like it depicts black women having sex with gorillas and like babies coming out looking like apes essentially and it's this very it's like a at this point considered a racial exploitation film almost but that movie was such an immediate hit that uh uh i guess it was rko at the time said we have to do more monkeys and jungle movies (laughs) okay and that's when king kong came around but the 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 one of the writers and directors marion cooper when he was drawing up the idea for this movie imagined the empire state building image before he came up with the plot he's just like there's Ah. something about a gorilla holding a girl on top of the empire state building that works for me i don't know how we're gonna get there but i'm gonna write the movie in reverse somehow i'm gonna reverse engineer this ending um i love that purity though yeah you know you're inspired by an image and then you just make the movie right i love that yeah so it's just like yeah it's just instantly iconic because yeah it's something you dream up and you're like holy shit I will say there are entirely too many comedians I have seen that have talked about this movie as like a, ra- a racial allegory. And every time I hear it, it's just like, oh, right. boy. Oh, boy. I, 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 I see where you're going, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, what, it's 1933, man. I mean, I don't, I don't care. No, no, no. It's, it's, like, there's a line where the, the guy falls in love with Faye Ray's character. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, but Jack, you, you hate, hate women. women. <laughs> you're not women. <laughs> Good stuff. The broads. That's back when they were broads. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a ridiculous movie. It's like, we're going to make a documentary in the jungle, but you need like a sexy dame at the, you need a blonde. No. And they, they just scoop this blonde up from the street and it's like, you're going to come to an island with us. They do carry it over in the re- it's funny how much the the Peter Jackson's remake retains And the, the 70s in the and the uh the Dom Yeah, De that's true. Uh, Di- Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, yeah. 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 Not, I don't mind that one, I guess. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> no, it's I I actually do I like Peter Jackson's more? I think I, I do. I do like Peter. I Jackson. like that movie. I do. Like so he gets a that's another one that I feel like, you know, people sort of like cast away, but I I still like it. It's just too long, but whatever. It is too long. Yeah. Oh, this movie's so short. Exactly. Hour and a half. Isn't it great? Get in, get out. And it's just, that just, again, just adds to that just wholly relentless thing the entire way through. It is like a trip. It really honestly is. Yeah. Uh, Roger Ebert, I, I think, nailed perfectly if you think that some of the special effects are dated. He said, in the very artificiality of some of the special effects, there is a creepiness that isn't there in today's slick, flawless, computer-aided images. I've always thought that. In Jurassic Park, you were looking more or less at a real dinosaur. In King Kong, you were looking at an idea of a dinosaur created by hand-by-hand by, hand by hand technicians who were working with their imaginations. So it is like this otherworldly kind of alien thing. It's like, again, I've said this argument a thousand times, but it's like, don't make blood quite the perfect color red. Make it right. a little weirder, you know, right. and it gets that ooh, sick feel. And it's the same thing with this. Yeah, I, I've all, that's the other thing I've always kind of thought and why some people are really freaked out by stop motion. Right. Yeah, it's that jankiness that's just, just off enough. Just off enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was just really stunned yeah. by how violent it was, exactly. how it got past the censors of this. I guess it was pre-code, but still, like, man, the the T Rex getting his face split open is... and the sound effects of it too. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, yeah. and the, the, again, the way Kong plays with it. Yeah, love that little detail. Yeah, it's like because you could do like a quick little animation where it's like because we're trying to save money here, let's have King Kong, you know, like kill him, whatever. Maybe you know, maybe he just like like breaks his neck and you don't do much with it, and he just gets up and you know pounds his chest. Or let's have it us do this painstakingly bitch of a process where he splits the thing's mouth open. We do the little the fake blood that drips down, and then he plays with it. We're, we're we, again, it's. How, how long does he do that for? There's like five seconds. Yeah, there's like like five seconds of footage, maybe a little bit more, where he's doing that of just these tiny little frames that they're doing. That's just, <laughs> you yeah. don't have to do it. No, you're right. There's a lot of detail put in. Also, you look at Kong's hair and you see how often the hair sort of just individual pieces of fur will just sort of move a little bit, and it's like, why would they feel the need to do that? But it puts this creature in motion. But do you know why they actually? That's a, that's an accident, actually. Oh, is it? As a matter of fact, it, I agree. It works. It works great because it makes it feel a little more alive. But all it is is the animators coming in and just moving him a little bit. Oh, that's why it's happening. I see. So it's funny enough when you when Wes Anderson was making Fantastic Mr. Fox, he cites. Uh, this movie as 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 inspiration for that look because he was like I you know I know that that's just hair being moved around by by the animators on accident but it does add this like nice um, organic texture to the to the puppet it, it makes right. it more than just a simple puppet that they're moving around oh that's interesting yeah okay yeah also as we, we've you know, everybody knows this but a pioneer of special effects and one of the most inspirational films to most people who work in special effects yeah this is ground so, zero so yeah. important so yeah Alva, it goes from king kong to fucking avatar which is weird but okay yeah <laughs> it's true rules absolutely yeah. rules thank it, you for making me watch this of course it's about time yes it's about time <laughs> uh all right here's another movie you made me watch Oh boy! <laughs> I was, it could not be more different if we tried. Let's switch gears here. Yeah, <laughs> with the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover from 1989, written and directed by Peter Greenaway, uh, who doesn't really have an, a lot of like major credits to his name beyond this movie. But if you're a cinephile, yeah, you know who he is. You know the name, and it's like, oh god, we're gonna watch a Peter Greenaway film, like. David Lynch, originally a painter, originally an artist. His training is in fine arts. I think makes perfect sense when you see this movie and the way that some of these shots are composed and the use of color specifically, which we'll get to in a second. Um, Clearly a very visual guy and a guy that could not quite fit in the Hollywood system in a nice, neat way. Mm -mm. Uh, Starring Richard Boehringer as the chef, Sir Michael Gambon as the thief, Dame Helen Mirren as his wife and Alan Howard as her lover. Alan Howard, voice of the ring in the Lord of the Rings films. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Uh, Tim Roth also shows up. Uh, Academy right. Award nominee Kieran Hines shows up right. in this. Uh, at Le Hyundai's Gourmet Restaurant, every night is filled with opulence, decadence, and gluttony. But when the cook, a thief, his wife, and her lover all come together... They unleash a shocking torrent of sex, food, murder, and revenge. Yeah. This movie was infamous at the time for being rated X 
In the UK, it was released without a rating uh, at the time. And still to this day, X ratings are most commonly associated with pornographic films. So to give this the X label is to damn it to box office hell. Uh, It did not make a ton of money. But as you said, among cinephiles, this movie has gained a major cult following and is considered one of the great art films of the, the later 20th century. Uh... Well, talk to me. Go ahead. Talk to me about this movie. Oh, boy. Uh, well, unfortunately, I was tipped off to it by uh, one Ari Aster. Ah. One of his favorite films. Makes perfect sense. Well, I, I hear that. I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? Yeah. And then I saw the movie. And it's like, oh, I'm seeing the weird blend of humor and utter terrible, horrifying imagery that it just makes me sick to my stomach. And just this, what the hell is this movie? <laughs> I It's really unlike anything I've ever experienced. Uh, I love basically every nook and cranny of this movie when it comes to the film on a technical. A lot of nooks and crannies. Oh, yeah. Way. You better believe it. <laughs> a lot of cracks. Uh, it's, it's A lot of crevices. Like like this movie feels like like the the source text for someone like yeah like obviously Ari Aster but then even like a Gaspar Noé to a degree certainly yes it's just so specific a lot of irreversible in this yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah or a lot of this and irreversible mm-hmm. yeah like but it's like it's 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 sort of an inspirational film to watch just as as a as a as a feat of direction and just choice and intentionality and how everything kind of matters and it doesn't feel like there's a single moment that's wasted and even a single detail that's wasted and I mean this thing is packed to the brim with just making this place feel so um it's not real because very artificial very very strangely but like it just starts to come alive <laughs> when the, the longer you stay with it because it's so relentless not just with um the insanity of the movie but also the way it's directed to how that it's feels more or less like a sequence of just left to right dolly shots for the mm-hmm. most part um but like the conflict never stops it's just it's a nightmare of a movie it's just like constant uh um what what would what would you call that just debauchery yeah that's like all it is yeah uh and if it's not michael gambon which it is for which we'll talk about michael gambon in like five seconds don't don't you guys worry but like if it's not him it's helen mirren getting naked in the bathroom and scared for her raw meat and maggots all over her too yeah like there is vomit and shit vomit and 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 the movie opens with with the urine and shit on smeared on a naked guy yeah yeah dame helen mirren very nude in this (laughs) (laughs) very you mean completely nude in this butt ass naked in this it's crazy (laughs) the long shots where they go to the guy's uh, hotel and it's just they're walking down the hallway this is a shot that must last like 20 seconds and she's just chatting with him and they're completely naked yes and the shot goes on forever it's crazy (laughs) i understand why people would call it exploitative i do uh, to me it's obviously like like a, a very rich and interesting piece of art and they certainly thought that but like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, the controversy, it's like, of course, of yeah, of course, of course. Well, also, you, yeah, you're, you're engaging in provocation when you cast two of the most respected, like British actors alive, like two people that did Shakespeare. Oh yeah. And you know, like our West end legends, you know, like really hardcore British actors and you have them do absolute depraved things. Yeah. I mean, Michael Gambon is as close to the devil as you will see in a movie 
you know, aside from problem child and problem child, you know, like <laughs> junior and problem child, like it, it is, uh, it, it, it's, it's crazy. Like the things that he says and also how unrelenting his performance is. So much is asked of him in this. And listen, at times you're kind of, it, it is kind of grating at times. I will say like, I kind of got sick of hearing his voice oh, after yeah, yeah. a while. And that's kind of the, point it is the point yeah but my god like he's a human wrecking ball during this movie no this is amongst the most evil characters i've ever seen in a movie yeah and it's not even close just with like how he not again this is a a compliment i like giving towards most movies but it's not just him assaulting uh the characters but you you start to feel just as assaulted at a certain point right and like you said though just it just never ends it just does not stop. He's just a tornado. Yeah. I mean, he just walks around the building, just just smashing things for no reason. No reason at saying all. Saying he's going to kill like, people. He just decides to throw a plate because he wants to I break know. a plate. I'm like, stop <laughs> yelling at people for fuck's sake. Stop it. Yeah, just takes a book, just rips the book in half and throws it in the corner. That's like just, ridiculous. He just does ridiculous thing. Just stabs a woman in the face with a fork. And you just see blood gushing out of her face and a fork sticking out and like nobody says shit. <sighs> yeah. It's wild. And... You know, it like it, it. Yeah, it's both the movie's strength and the movie's weakness. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I'm not sure anyone else could have done that role with as much like vigor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, man, there's just it, yeah, it's it's an assault of a movie. It's a full on assault. It is, a, it is assault. nightmare fuel the entire thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I do feel like I was missing something with the satire. Like I I've seen online. People say that this is kind of like a Margaret Thatcher allegory. It sort of comments on the, you know, the British government at the time. And like, again, I I don't know. I'm not Maybe. a student of that history. I have no, not a British gene in my body. I don't know anything <laughs> about it. So like it, it is one of those movies like it's so over the top mm-hmm. and it's so like there's so much debauchery. You just assume there's something there that you're not picking up on. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if there was something... But I, I will say, as a horror movie, it's which oh, it yeah. kind of is a horror yeah, movie. Sure. I do think it does work on that level, you it's, know. Well, it's also hard to pick up on a lot of that subtext when the movie just never lets you breathe. So you're not it really doesn't let you breathe, right? If, if you were to take time with this movie after you've seen it just to study it, perhaps there's a lot more you could pick up on. Because I was aware of a lot of the, the the subtext that people had talked about prior, and I just like. I, 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 I don't think it ever crossed my mind. Not at once. I was just so laser focused and just caught up by what the movie is. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it just, it never really lets go of you. And even the music just never fucking Dude, the stops. The score is unbelievable. Unbelievably good. It yeah. is a great score. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And un- actually an underrated part of the movie because like visually and, and theatrically people rave about it. But yeah, like the music fucking slaps and that theme, that, that motif that they mm-hmm. recycle over and over again. Yeah, out of this world. So essentially, here's the style, right? It, the, the, essentially, the plot is, as I said, there's the thief that owns a restaurant, and there's this cook that really hates the guy and his wife who he abuses, and then the wife just sees this guy reading a book in the corner, and they continue this love affair at mm. the restaurant. And it takes place over a week. And as you said, it's mostly just like horizontal dolly shots because yeah. the, the set is designed like you were watching a play. Yeah. You have the dining room, you have the kitchen, you have the outside, you have the bathroom, and all of these rooms have their own color palette. Yeah. And so like the kitchen has a green palette. The 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 restaurant has a has a red palette. It, it's kind of like you're descending into hell, right? Yep. Outside it's black and in the bathroom it's white. It's very pure. And I think there's also a yellow set in there somewhere mm-hmm. too. I think when he's in the hospital. The kid is in the hospital. Yeah. Uh 
And not only does the like the location and the paint on the wall change, but the costumes worn by the actors change. That's right. When they transition from room to room. Yeah, it's so specific. It's such a like there is so much painstaking detail put into the production design here. And like part of that Marvel, when you realize that that's what's happening, because it takes you a while to really pick up on it. Mm -hmm. But once you like there'll be seamless transitions with the appearance of a one -er, where an actor will go from one set to another and they'll change wardrobes mm. uh yeah it, it's baffling like like the technical proficiency of this yep. thing um yeah i mean it's 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 absolutely gorgeous there's a lot of absurd <laughs> stuff in there too which you know, like there's like a chef that has no shirt on and there's a little boy that oh, just yeah. sings, sings the entire time the yeah. entire time and no one really knows why he's singing which, the fact that it never really tells you as well it just makes it feel all the, like what where am i yeah the entire way through it's very artsy and so for oh, that yeah. reason it's it's a hard movie to recommend you know, kind of impossible to recommend. <laughs> did you think? Did you think that I was going to say, "Oh, Nico's wrong about that one"? Recommend <laughs> this movie? No, of course, yeah, of course, you can't recommend this movie. <laughs> but what I will say is that I, I, when we were talking about Midsummer, one of the things I said was like, "Is there really that much wrong with it?" Aside right. from the fact that it's that depraved, right? I don't know. Not, not, not. No, right. It's it's pretty great, and I kind of feel the same way about this one. It's like I couldn't pick out a lot of things that I thought were done poorly. You know, it's right. a it's a disturbing endeavor, but I think every move is is pulled off with like like flying colors here. It's just like what they're doing is just like again. Why would you want to commit to this? I don't know, but that Peter Greenaway, maybe he's just a really disturbed individual. He needs to get something off his chest, and this is it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, man. But, uh, then, but then the ending. Sure. Do you want to talk about that? Cannibalism. Spoiler alert. There's cannibalism at the end of this movie. Well, go ahead. Explain what happens. Well, uh, they, they, the, the lover is killed by Michael Gambon and his crew. And, you know, Helen Mirren's a little. Tim Roth does the. Bur- See, Tim Roth is the one guy where it's like, that's a guy that belongs in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say a word. Though. It makes perfect sense <laughs> that Tim Roth is in this thing, he's, right? He's just there. Right. He's just there for but some But it's reason. like Michael Gambon, Helen Mirren, like they don't belong in this depravity. Tim Roth belongs in this depravity, you know? I guess he does, yeah. 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 He gets, I guess uh, it's close. It does have, s- no, I'm just kidding. I was going to compare it to the Reservoir Dogs, but maybe a little bit. He was definitely, yeah. yeah, he was hanging out in some weird circles in the early 90s, Tim Roth, you know? Everybody was. Right. Yeah. It was the 90s. <laughs> it was the 90s. No, but I mean, uh, Helen Mirren is, of course, very distraught over this. So she goes to her good friend, the cook, and she's like, yeah, he was killed. Will you cook him for me? Mm. <laughs> uh, and they cook, they cook the guy yeah. like a turkey. Yeah. And he looks like a turkey. He does. And they surprise Michael Gambon like one last feast because you've been such a good husband. Right. And um, they they take the sheet off of the meal, and it's the lover just beautifully presented. I might have <laughs> I would have eaten that, but I, <laughs> it's revolting. <laughs> it was the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and it really Michael was. Michael Gambon takes a little piece out of him. There's just so it's again, first he vomits on the man. I, I, <laughs> Try the, the cock. It's a delicacy. <laughs> um, the the way it's just it, Helen Mirren just saying that line of dialogue. Try the cook. Oh god, wild. It just like the way it's shot too. It's like there's no there are no fancy cuts. It's just here's the dinner, and you just get Michael Gambon's reaction in a wide. 
it's just so uh ineffectual right yeah yeah that ending really it i ugh, god damn it <laughs> it it will it, it, it's it, it's one of those great like uh, um bone tomahawk moments for me yeah where it's just like I can't believe the movie just did yeah, that. Yeah, this is the movie that I'm watching. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Because for a while, it's like, yeah, it's abusive and gross and things, but yeah, right, exactly. It takes it to a whole other level mm-hmm. at the end. I love the line he says at the end, too, when he's, there's the other woman. I don't know if, like, that's his mistress or just, like, some mm-hmm. lackey that he carries around. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> he's like, her name is Grace. He goes, Grace, go look out the window or something. <laughs> go do something. Here's like, the thing. Gambon has so many of those fucking lines that are just classic. I was thinking about this movie, too. I'm just like, to a degree, if this guy were just a little more well-behaved, this would be one of Nico's boys. Right. I think this is very closer, 100%. To, closer to one of Nico's boys than, <laughs> than, than he's going to admit. <laughs> go look at the window or something. Grace, go look at the window. <laughs> That's a good line. Get out of my hair. Not to, again. We're, we're, <laughs> we're skipping on this, too, because it's a very artful, artful, super directed movie, but it's also super well written. Very well written. Yeah, it is. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a hard. It's again a hard movie to recommend. It's, it's just possible really, to recommend. Yeah, yeah. It's just a really difficult thing. Um, but if you have the stomach for it, if you're into this kind of thing, like there are certain people that are definitely into it that will love it. You know, I have had a morbid curiosity to watch it again, uh-huh. more so just to study it a little harder. Right. But it's a it's it's a great movie. I think it's 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 pretty damn great. But ugh. Yeah, not for everybody. No. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Except for Ari Aster, of course. Right. Yeah, it makes perfect fun. <laughs> All right. That's the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Yep. Moving on to some lighter fare now. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. 1991's Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. Starring Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis, Harvey Keitel, Michael Madsen, and a young Brad Pitt in one of his first roles. Directed by the great Ridley Scott. Winner of Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars that year. It was also nominated for Lead Actress. Twice over with Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. Both lost to Jodie Foster. For Silence of the Lambs. Who turned down this role. It was supposed to be her and Michelle Pfeiffer. She ends up doing uh, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I guess either decision is correct. But I do like Clarice. Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster. That's a pretty good deal. That would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. It was almost them or it was going to be Streep and Goldie Hawn. Mm, a little too Hollywoody. Yeah. Yeah. They, she, I don't well, think... they ended up doing Death Becomes Her a few years later. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which bombed. But that's a good movie. That is a good movie. That's a fun movie. I like that movie. Uh, yeah. But so anyway, uh, also nominated Best Director, Cinematography, Film, Editing. Two best friends set out on an adventure, but it soon turns around to be a terrifying escape from being hunted by the police as these two girls escape for the crimes they committed. Uh, so we were much delayed on this podcast. I got a chance to rewatch this. I didn't think I would be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, God damn it. Why don't they make movies like this anymore? Oh, yeah, they don't. It's, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. You watch this thing and it's like, who wouldn't love this? <laughs> I don't Give know. me one person that wouldn't love this movie. It's so goddamn charming mm-hmm. and effective and fun and it moves and the music is good. Hans Zimmer does the score. That's right. Yeah. Like it's, it. It's got this old tried and true formula. It's the road trip movie. It's a lovers on the run movie with best friends. Mm -hmm. Like it, 
why don't we get these movies anymore? It frustrates the hell out of me. It's another Ridley Scott film, by the way. We've been saying that about him a lot lately. Same thing with The Last Duel. He's the only one making these movies yeah. anymore, you know? Because, like, very, like, like it's 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 kind of a very down-the-middle film in yes. that way. Just, like, everything you know is just kind of going to be a hit. And it's like, why wouldn't you commit to something like this? Yeah. With just these great actors in this wonderful script. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Because have they ever, like, done movies like this? Like, what was the last road movie? Fury Road? Does, that does, not, doesn't count. I know it doesn't count, but it's a, it's a it's it's certainly a road movie. Well, Tom Brady is doing one with uh, Grace and Frankie. Wait, he's acting. Yeah, Tom Brady is doing a uh, a road trip comedy with uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, and Sally Field, and I think Rita Moreno. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Why? Why? So is, there you go. Why is he there? Uh, the movie's called Eighty for Brady. And so it's, it's about, about these kids that are like patriots. Well, not kids. They're not. They're definitely not kids. They're old women. <laughs> they're old ladies that are like lifelong patriot fans, and they sexcapades with Brady. I think maybe. I hope so. I certainly hope. I'm seeing that movie immediately. Yeah. Jane Fonda and Lily Lily Tomlin and Sally Field. Is that what you said? And Rita Moreno. And Rita Moreno. Yeah. Ooh. I think all three of those women. I have no problem hopping into bed with. <laughs> Green Book was that the last road movie? I guess so. Eh, yeah, I guess so. But this is almost like a chase movie too. Little in, Miss in Sunshine. Yeah, the, a Lovers on the Run story. That's I have, more. What I'm I have not seen in a bit. Yeah. I can't think of the, uh, the last one, honestly. Well, uh, Queen and Slim was that black. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the black Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde yeah, is how that easy. thing was advertised. I didn't see that one. I didn't either. I heard it wasn't that good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I. Because these are all like consistently good movies for the most part. Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, okay. Did you see that movie? I heard it was good. I didn't see it. No. Yeah. Good one. Anyway, make more of these. It, like we were talking about the happening last week. Yeah. And uh, I, I contend it's one of the worst movies ever made. I think if you chose it as the worst, I, I don't think I would argue with you. Mm-hmm. One of the millions of problems with that movie is the chemistry between those two leads and you watch something like this, which is not a romantic movie, but it has romantic undertones. These two women have such fucking chemistry in this. Mm. That was the thing that really popped off, you know, like immediately, like sometimes it's just the alchemy of putting the right two people in the room together. And you can't really tell by an audition and you can't really tell by previous performances. Like you don't know if you know, both of them are good actors, but you don't know if they're going to work together. Oh, that's a totally different thing to figure out altogether. I mean, yeah. there's been many instances as a matter of fact, where I've seen two great actors put together and it's like, this it ain't working. doesn't work. Why isn't it working? Right. And here it's like, these two just pop and you want to hang out with them. The whole movie. Is it part of the, like, because Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon are like big proponents of like feminism and cinema at the time. So they're sort of similarly motivated in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, there's that. I don't know. Meryl Streep was certainly very feminist at the time, too. I don't really think I know that, but I don't really think of Meryl in the same way as I do think these two as like some of the more important feminist actors. Because I think of them because of this movie. I guess it is. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I think this is the movie that it's the first Lovers on the Run story with two women in sure. it. Sure, yeah. You know, it, there's been two men. There's been Midnight, midnight Run at this yeah. point. There's, um, but I think know. of like a League of Their Own, you know, yeah, and a little bit of Bull Durham, I suppose. Both baseball movies. So oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, uh, they're just fucking perfect yeah, together. Really good. It's just dynamite every scene. Um, and then Brad Pitt shows up. 
Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's the hottest man ever. Like, we've, we found him. Mm-hmm. We found Adonis. Adonis is back from the dead. That's really or from myth or and, whatever. And not, you know, I, I, not to take the spotlight away from them because they, they deserve it all. But he is also, like, you, you get as soon as he comes on, like, oh, yeah, that's why Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt. Right. Again, everything in this movie is just like, you, you're just like, oh, this is the, I, I get this it all. This is where that comes from. I get it where everything comes from. Yeah. Right. It's just nothing really fails in this. Here's the thing. We're covering a bunch of movies that are kind of pretty close to perfect yeah unimpeachable yeah, like these these are really and the funny thing is i only saw this movie in its entirety for the first time recently oh really yeah i, I it's one of those movies i saw a lot like on tv like in, yeah. in like large it is chunks perfect such movie. a good cable movie. it's the perfect cable movie but again just like great sequence after great sequence like when they they, they get the cop Oh, I could watch that on loop. It's so good. Yeah, it is. Oh, so when they when good. they lock him in the trunk. Yeah, it's the best. And then you get the the, the great little coda in that uh, sequence where the guy comes smoking pot. Sm- yeah, sm- and he puffs it in there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So funny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Or even when they blow up the tanker with the, the the oil tanker. This is not a movie that's that's opposed to being like plot. Hold on a second. Let's right. just have fun. Exactly. <laughs> just let these characters ha- ha- enjoy the road. And I love it so goddamn much. And I also love the way they slowly unveil. Uh, uh, God, now this is one issue. I, I always flop the names. Which one is Susan Sarandon? Uh, Thelma? Is Louise. She's Louise. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah? Yeah. If I'm to criticize anything, I flop the names all the time. But whatever. Susan Sarandon is Louise. Okay. When The, the way you... They slowly uh, peel back uh, Louise's uh, backstory and what happened to her while not being totally explicit, really, ever. There's just there's that one conversation in the car. Oh, yeah. And even then, it's very the Texas thing. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very subtle. They, she, she doesn't explicitly say. Well, Louise doesn't explicitly say anything. Rape. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't, yeah. It's just understood. Right. And I love that approach. Yeah. Yeah. Very tastefully done. Yeah. Yeah. It's really ahead of its time, too, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's it's not. It's it's not like an issues movie. No, no. Although there's plenty of issues in it, and although like it does a lot of good for you know feminism in Hollywood, it's effortless in its in its approach to the feminism, which I love. Yeah. Right, it's not hitting you over the head with all of these themes, yeah. and also like the way that that rape scene is done or the yeah. attempted rape scene at the beginning. It's like, you know, like oh yeah, everyone would have assumed that you got too drunk and stumbled out with this guy. You know, like. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's also such a cathartic movie too. Yeah, like it's so like. They, these these women are able to get like revenge and it feels good like when they blow up that fucking truck at the end it's like hell yeah mm-hmm. you fucking did that yeah. and at the end which spoil you, everyone knows the ending of Thelma and Louise by yeah. now right I would hope so yeah but when they drive off the cliff at the end it's it's sad but it's also like okay you did it on your terms it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. it's like Bonnie and Clyde yeah. in that way it's, I completely agree you know it's yeah. it's a very cathartic satisfying movie i agree that's the thing about the movie it's so fucking satisfying Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so pleasurable to watch and that's why it's so good on cable you know yeah Yeah. doesn't really fail yeah Yeah, i love it dude i loved it yeah uh our boy raj loved the movie took a half star away he gave it a three and a half star rating would have given it a perfect four out of four he does not like the ending okay he does not like the fade to white specifically into the images of them happy seems a lot to take off the half a star yeah i understand where he's coming from i think maybe maybe when i saw it too i was like that's a choice the I don't... freeze frame specifically yeah 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 Yeah. it's a, again like like effortless and efficient in what it's doing as most ridley scott movies are aside from kingdom of heaven uh yeah. but <laughs> but like but yeah I, I i see what he means i see what he means i feel like this is his loosest movie though 
You know, I've, oh, Ridley. Ridley I feel Scott. like this is kind of loose. I mean, it's it's what a about f- the counselor. That's <laughs> well, <laughs> talking about a, loose in a different way. <laughs> but I feel like this is his. Well, it's it might be his most sentimental movie ever. Like it might be his movie, the movie with the most heart. Probably the most heart. I mean, he he did that movie with fucking Russell Crowe. I think it's called like a Good Year or something like. I never that. saw that. Yeah, I, I it's usually regarded as like one of his more embarrassing you know, uh, attempts at a material, but, um, yeah, I don't think of him as like a real softy. Like, I'm not sure no. he would have been the first choice for this type of movie. The guy made alien. Right. Yeah. And blade runner, dude, right. the guy made the, two of the harder sci-fi films of all time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fucking perfect. Yeah. Thumb and Louise. Yeah. It's very good. It's very, very, very good. God, what a good movie. Yeah. I watched it the other day. I'm like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Just a crowd pleaser. I gotta fucking sit through Death on the Nile Pure. now. Let's see. That's like, <laughs> I have to get excited for it. I'm well, like, oh, an original movie from Kenneth Branagh. Let's do a quick aside here. The movies coming out in 2022 are fucking awesome. I'm happy to say we there got, are some good movies. We year. got some good movies coming out, and there have been some good movies already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think a lot of movies on my list are. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty okay with most of them. Yeah, usually the first couple months of the year are. Yeah, yeah. Did are I are shit? But this one's been pretty tight. I did mention that I saw X a while ago. I believe. I, I don't so, know if yeah. I ever said it on this pod. I need. I, it's available. I saw it's on demand. I might. Okay. I might watch it this week. I think you'd like it. It's like it. It's got its. It's got its creepy moments, but you, I think you could do it. Yeah. I just don't like that. I have to get excited for like, you know, <laughs> Deep Water. Nico, it's we like have- finally another movie from the director of Fatal Attraction. And it's like what? Like if you had said that to me fifteen years ago. That would have been amazing. The, the fatal attraction guy's got a move. Now you wouldn't have thought twice about it. The fatal attraction guy that would have been amazing. I mean, that's okay. That would have been amazing. What's his name? You don't even know his name. No, I don't. And now it's like <laughs> what? He's back. Yeah, it's a little pathetic. It's ridiculous. But, but I mean, we got the Northman coming out. I know. I'm pretty excited the about the Northman. Fucking Northman. Are we going to see that together? I would love to see. When's it together. that come out? 22nd, I think. Is that next week? Yeah, I think so. Dude, that movie. Uh, uh, I, I, I feel like I'm I'm gonna go through Come. puberty again. <laughs> <laughs> gonna become a man all over again. Actually, I, I don't think I'm, I'm quite there yet. But <laughs> that movie—you'll you'll never be as manly as those Vikings. Fucking dude. hell, Eddie, Eddie! I've seen a few clips from that movie, and Jesus fucking Christ! Ah, oh, that movie looks so good. Yeah, next week, Friday. The, the North Man. You and I are going to go, right? And we're going to go in Viking helmets like the guy on January 6th? Well, <laughs> us, uh, the people from Connecticut, you know. It, it, That's right. Yeah. One was from your town. Don't, don't, don't. One was from your town. Don't, there was an insurrectionist from your high school. Don't advertise that. But it's true. I don't know. You have information that might be pertinent to the FBI. Mm. I suggest they contact you. I think he went to Mills, too. No kidding. I think he did. Wow. Yeah. Viking guy. What's yeah. that guy's name? The shaman? I don't, the MAGA shaman? <laughs> I have no idea. There's a kid. Uh, actually, I don't know if I should say this. Probably shouldn't. Yeah, I won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the Northman. Yeah, yeah, the Northman. Oh, I cannot fucking wait. All right. Cannot wait. Yeah, we're going to sing like sea shanties on the way to that mm. movie. I think that's what we're going to do. Riding on the roads to Valhalla. Yeah, yeah, and just like drink some fucking old wine out of a chalice. I want a mead 
Nico. Yeah. I want to fucking mead. You and I, yes. yes. We're getting we're go, We're going to get some meads. <laughs> and we're going to go watch The Northman this Friday. <laughs> Yo. Grow out your beard a little bit. <laughs> uh, Give it a try. That I, have, uh, I might grow some inches, though, just in the theater watching The Northman. Bit, yeah. Like, it's one of those movies, like, the testosterone is going to leak yeah. out of the screen. Yeah. Uh, and people, apparently it's fantastic. That's all I needed to hear. But, like, oh, my God, the movie looks so dope. Dude's rock. <laughs> Fucking dude's rock. When you get, like, because c- it's a very controversial thing nowadays to say a movie is masculine. Yes. But everyone and their mothers are saying probably the most masculine movie ever made and there's nothing wrong with that i'm like huh can't wait. <laughs> i can't wait wow all right uh let's move on here with 1996's the bird cage the bird one of my cage. nominees yep. directed by mike nichols the great mike nichols and written by his longtime comedy partner elaine may mm. nichols and may uh back from you know, a period where they were both uh, assumed dead in the in the yeah. industry. Like Elaine May had just made Ishtar a Ooh, few years before really? this. I didn't know that. Yeah, in the late '80s, and that sort of ended her career. She only made four feature movies, although she's working on a new one now with yeah. Dakota Johnson. Interesting. She's like 90 and working on a movie. It's pretty awesome. What did Mike Nichols do though? Uh, Mike Nichols, I don't know. Had not made a hit, I think, in a while before this. Let me let me look at the IMDb real quick here. Um. Let's see. He did Working Girl, which I guess was well-regarded in Postcards from the Edge. But then he had Regarding Harry and the movie Wolf in 1994 with Jack Nicholson he and Michelle Pfeiffer. Wolf? Yes. Oh, wow. Which was a, another famous bomb. That's weird. I didn't know that. But they just come back just in old form. This is based on the play La Cage au Folle. Folle? La Cage au Folle. La Cage au Folle. Meaning the birdcage in French. Uh, and of course, this movie stars Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, Gene Hackman, and Diane Weist. Mm-hmm. Just what a foursome! <laughs> this, 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 this is a juicy movie. Hank Azaria is also in there. Christine, oh, that's right! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christine Baranski. This movie, I didn't. I, I'm totally forgetting because I, I didn't rewatch it. But like, yeah, that cast is nonsense in a good way <laughs> nominated for best art direction at the oscars that year yeah well deserved mm. this movie looks incredible uh, yeah i mean particularly that opening too yeah in the bar yeah is it in a bar or is it a club it's in the drag club okay yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, so i was looking into it why does this movie look so good because like no comedies look this good now emmanuel lebeski shot this shit whoa he was the cinematographer oh, of this movie. oh wow yeah Oh, that's fascinating. It makes perfect sense. Like multi-Oscar winner, Emmanuel Lebetsky. I did not know that. Yeah. That is very interesting. Just shot the birdcage. He's got a lot of funny ones in his in his bag. He did like that Sleepy Hollow movie with Tim Burton. Oh, really? Which looks phenomenal, by the way. It does look pretty good. I don't yeah. like that movie that much, but it looks good. I do like that movie, funny enough, yeah. But you're right, yeah. That's the, the best thing about it is how it looks. Yeah. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. What he what he shot around the bur- oh my god what an imdb yeah okay here's what we got reality bites in 1994 the bird cage in 1996 meet joe black in 1998 okay sleepy hollow right after that uh and then he starts working with corone on e tu mama tambien he does ali with michael mann mm-hmm. he then pivots 
with a film called The Cat in the Hat. <laughs> he did not do Cat in the Hat. What the? F- what? <laughs> oh, my God. Some would say kind of an odd choice. The worst choice, I would imagine. Then does the Lemony Snicket A Series of Unfortunate Events movie. I can see it. Then the New World. <laughs> <laughs> And then you have, you know, The New World, Children of Men, Burn After Reading, The Tree of Life, Gravity, Birdman. Holy shit. (laughs) The Revenant. Wow. That's hilarious. I mean, really took a turn in 2003, but I think recovered nicely. That's, oh my God, that's so funny. Literally, it's like a barrier was crossed. And now you can be Emmanuel Lebesky. Right. Crazy stuff. That's funny. Yeah. But anyway, he shot the birdcage and it's an incredible looking movie. Uh, A gay cabaret owner and his drag queen companion agreed to put up a false straight front. Yeah, a false straight front, meaning straight heterosexual, so that their son can introduce them to his fiance's right wing moralistic parents. Uh, Director Paul Thomas Anderson has said that this movie is one of the two films that without fail or question will make me stop dead in my tracks and watch all the way to the very end, no matter what else is happening or needs to be done. The other film is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. It's The Shining in this. Uh, I happen to agree with PTA on this fair. one. I watch the entire fucking movie yeah. when this thing is on TV. That's fair. It is one of my favorite movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, shocking that we have not discussed it yet on this show. It's a real shame and a tragedy because uh, it is one of the great comedies of the 90s and maybe of the last 30 to 40 years. Okay. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's so fucking good. I, I was more new to it. I didn't like, like I haven't seen it like that many times, but you know, I, I guess a handful. Okay, I, the first time I ever watched it was at my house and, and then uh, Abby and I watched it occasionally. So yeah, it's, it's you know, more fresh for me, but it is, yeah, it's quite hilarious. I'm not like, pro- it's not probably not the same high for me as it is for you, but uh I mean, yeah, what, what, what am I going to say? It's Nathan Lane and, and Robin Williams together. Nathan Lane? <laughs> not out of the closet yet. Really? Yeah. Hmm. How about that? That seems a little hard to believe. How about that? Hmm. Okay. He does this movie. He was out to like his friends and family, not publicly. He goes on Oprah with Robin Williams. And Oprah's like, so... Are you? Aren't you? <laughs> like, it's trying to goad him into, like, making headlines, coming out of the closet on her show. And Nathan Lane's, like, all uncomfortable. And Robin Williams stands up for him and, like, diverts the attention and does, like, this whole shtick and, like, essentially helps Nathan Lane dodge the question. And Nathan Lane tells that story now, like, the time that, you know, Robin saved me from Oprah. <laughs> Pretty crazy, though, that he was not known to be a gay man yet because it is like such a flamboyant Nathan oh, yeah. Lane performance uh one does need a hint of color you know that, ah, that's one of my yeah, favorite yeah, lines yeah. in the movie when he picks up his socks one and does need a hint pink. of color one does need he's unbelievable in this movie I mean he's just fucking it, it is a master class in comedy who's better so this is what I wanted to get to Nathan Lane is incredible. Probably should have been nominated for an Oscar that year. Kind of crazy that he wasn't. But the fascinating thing is, like, like Robin has to technically, next to Nathan Lane, play it straight. Well, yeah, metaphorically speaking. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, Comedically but, speaking, yeah, yeah. yeah. Robin was initially cast as the Albert role. Okay. Makes perfect fucking sense. That's a role that he does in his sleep. He's done it a hundred times. And Steve Martin was going to play Armand. Okay. Different movie. Very but different, what, yeah. 
It, it would have been fine, I think. But Robin was like, I don't really want to play another flamboyant character like this. Let me play the Armand role. Mm. And like watch the scene where they're at the cafe and they're, you know, trying to learn how to act straight. I'll give you an image. It's a cliche, but an image. John Wayne. Like, you know, or the how about them dolphins exchange. Ah, so great. You old, ah, you old so-and-so. <laughs> how about those dolphins? How about them dolphins? <laughs> fussy, fussy, fussy. Madonna, Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> it is, as you said, a masterclass in being the straight man. Yeah. In those scenes. Like, the way that he just sort of guides... The tornado that is Nathan Lane in this movie, the way he just sort of he he lobs him up for the dunk the way that Kobe Bryant would for Shaq. Like it is often a thankless role being the straight man in these things. He's amazing in this. Yeah. Like he's so. And of course, he adds all this pathos. All this stuff with his son is great. The stuff it's in the really climax, good. it just it's really emotional, too. But like also really fucking funny. Uh, yeah, I think Robin's better. I think he's actually better for what he has to do. I guess it's more challenging to, you know, be Robin Williams and then also have to guide, you know, like someone like Nathan Lane. Yeah, I guess that's a good point, too. Yeah. yeah. I never really considered that. But yeah, as an actor, as a comedian, it's one thing, I think. I, I don't know. I, I would say probably the better performance is still obvious. I, yeah, Robin. But I don't know. I, I, I probably I definitely laugh more at Nathan Lane. So there is that if we're to split the bill here. Yeah. Robin is also allowed to be more like subtly gay, too, which is the thing about it. Like at this point in time, like it's actually yeah, it's an most gay premise, characters yeah. are played like Nathan Lane is playing them and very few are being played like Robin Williams is playing them. And therefore it kind of comments on those types of performances in Hollywood, you, you could say. So Robin is kind of just doing his thing. He's not doing anything with his voice. No. He's not going higher pitched or whatever. He's not like. You know, doing two Wong Fu type like drag stuff, Wesley Snipes in that movie. Like it's a it's a very grounded performance that and for a guy like Robin Williams who has no problem going big, like the restraint that he shows is actually quite impressive, especially at this time, too, because how long is this uh, until Aladdin? Or this at? is five years after Aladdin. after. Yeah, yeah, there you go. This is after Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. Think wow. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so many perfect fucking scenes just like perfectly written by elaine may Mm -hmm. perfectly directed by mike nichols perfectly performed by those two like it's just the absolute (laughs) all-stars the the, the monsters from from space jam are just doing comedy here like just and everybody on set knows exactly what they're doing at every moment uh it's so proficient as a comedy like it's something that you need to study the physical acting what hank azaria is doing when he's he comes in mm. with with the with the uh the 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 because sh- he's always barefoot so yeah. he they finally make him put dress shoes on and he trips over himself that's good stuff <laughs> the, the the dinner scene and also you got hackman there who's doing hackman things mm-hmm. it's like god it's just delicious hackman and diane weist just <laughs> being jugheads in the movie it's so good yep I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything really all that negative to say about it. This is more for you, by the way. So yeah, this is <laughs> more of me getting out of the way. But yeah, it's it, it, it's it's a total jam. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's the birdcage, man. I, I have one critique. I, yeah. Just one. Yeah. Yeah. The ending of the movie. Oh. Not a fan of it. Why not? Well, they come to this whole thing about like acceptance or whatever, and then they just sneak out the back of the drag club. And I always felt that that was kind of an anti-climax. When they come out to the We Are... Remember, they, they all dress in drag. Gene Hackman's in drag, and they sing We Are Family. Oh, yeah. Well... 
I think it's kind of a wet blanket of an ending. And I feel like the ending doesn't, and it's hard to end comedies. I know, watch any Saturday Night Live sketch and you'll sure. understand it's hard, but mm-hmm. I wanted more of a button, I think. I wanted a, more of a bow at the end. And that's the one thing. Kind of like Ebert with, with Thelma and Louise. I thought, oh, like, I see what you mean. Okay. Just yeah. ended a little punchier, ended a little stronger, you know? Say something with the ending. It definitely, I guess you could say it fits, but I, yeah, you're right, definitely, that it's, you know, it's a little too simple, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they didn't know what to do. They're just like, okay, they're we have these people stuck in a drag club. How do we get them out? Did they realize how good the movie is? Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, so much of it is kind of much better than it should be. Mm-hmm. I think so, too, yeah. And it ends with kind of like this goofy... Because you know. the movie is skirting around like it's just a goofy comedy with Robin and, and, and Nathan Lane. But it's... But it's not. It's like a really, really like the smartest version of all those things. So, and I guess they're kind of riffing on like some like it hot with that ending. Because remember the, yeah, the yeah. reporters like that's one ugly lady, <laughs> <laughs> and I then some right. like it hot. You know, not Similar. everybody's perfect, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of you know, it's kind of a cheap joke at the end. That it, yeah. It, I think you're right. It almost exists in a lesser movie. It exists yeah, from a movie in the past. Mm-hmm. Whereas the rest of the movie is like very like progressive and of the moment well the, yeah and that's why i love it i'm not sure it's i'm not sure it kills the, the the film or anything i'm not even sure it kills the ending it's just like eh, okay right if you're nominating worst endings at the askers yeah maybe worst ending yeah that's a good at category askers yeah exactly uh, Great madonna movie. madonna <laughs> that's, that's my favorite scene it's a cliche but an image <laughs> or that one <laughs> How did I feel? Bewildered? Betrayed? (laughs) (laughs) Was that good? I'm not sure. (laughs) All right. Uh, Austin Powers and the International Man, the International Man of Mystery is next from 1997. Another comedy, classic comedy, one of our favorites, just a year later. Directed by Jay Roach, written by Mike Myers, although much of it was improvised on the set. I think he said 60% of the movie just totally improvised. Starring Mike Myers, Elizabeth Hurley, Michael York, and Mimi Rogers. Mm. A world-class playboy and part-time secret agent from the 1960s emerges after 30 years in a cryogenic state to battle with his nemesis, Dr. Evil. You nominated this one. I had to. You had to. (laughs) What was the alternative prior? What did I... you wanted me to watch Playtime, but I did not have enough uh, Playtime in my schedule to yeah, watch Playtime. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation, but this is a movie that um, I'm surprised, I guess, that we haven't talked about at this point because we both love it quite dearly. Also, kind of an important film in probably both of our childhoods. Certainly. Um, and yeah, like like we quoted a lot, or you, you certainly quoted a lot. I do. <laughs> But, oh behave! But I was. Ref- I say that like three times all a day. the time. Yeah, I say that to my cat. <laughs> oh behave! behave when he yeah. bites me. Oh yeah. behave! <laughs> my wedding tackle, my meat and two veg, my twig and berries. <laughs> my twig and berries. <laughs> <laughs> I won't bite. Hard. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> And this 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 is why I was like, you know, something like I I I need to 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 give this movie its due because I didn't I, I was reflecting on like, oh my god, this movie means so much to me because I I haven't seen it in a very very long time. I have yeah. to admit, but like it's it's one of the most unforgettable comedy films I've I, I've ever seen to this day. And just like like you said, like oh yeah, I can quote the entire damn movie. I yes. really can. Right. Yeah. And it's just got one of the like 
also like one of the funnier experiences I've, I've had, which is a shame in a way because of the, the latter films. I mean, I, I like Spy Who Shagged Me, but, you know, I don't know about that gold member. Not a big fan of gold member. Yeah. Austin Danger Powers? This is the... See, here's the thing. Sex? Sex? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> see, here's the thing about the movie, too, is that, like, most of the conversation is just, like, just... The, just the, throwing the jokes about the movie. Because right? it... I, I will give it this. It's, like, it is a movie that clearly understands James Bond very, very well. Loves it. It's not just Bond, though. It is, yeah, it is, but it's also, like, the old sort of, like, that 60s, like, you know... uh a little bit of Beatles, a little bit of Peter Sellers, a little bit of Dudley Moore in there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Austin Power, uh, Austin Mike Myers describes you know the origin of this character, and it was very much tied in with the stuff that his father used to watch when mm. when he was growing up. So like when his father died, he sort of took stock of you know his relationship with the guy. And he kept coming back to, you know, Peter Cook and yeah. the goodies and all of like these very, you know, cheesy, corny, you know, 60s English figures. <laughs> and he sort of put them all together in this amalgamation that it is Austin Powers because yeah, yeah. he's kind of Bond, but he's not really, you know. No, 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 no. It's something like comparing him with Dudley Moore is actually uh, pretty accurate as well because it's that that, I, that there is a goofiness to some of those characters that is a little that is obviously it's 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 Austin Powers. Right. Um. But there's a clear love for those things. Yeah. Which, there's just nothing mean about this movie. It's, it's just not a mean movie. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah. It's just a pure yeah. lo- loving parody. It's not like uh, scary yeah. movie. It's not or no. any of those spoof movies not that cynical. the Wayans brothers yeah, did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing cynical, cynical about it whatsoever. And also, just when we're talking about the, the film as a comedy, just just the, so fucking creative. Yeah. I, I, I can't get enough of just how, like, God, like, why didn't I think of that sort of moments where it's like with the steamroller? It's one of the it's funniest images One of ever. the great gags ever. Ever. Yeah. It's it, just... But even, like, you're right, there's so much great physical comedy, too, like, when he's naked in the hotel room and <laughs> yeah. all of the, the things just that cover him. Like, exposed. it's really well made. Made, yes. It's, a yes well, it's, it's not like Wayne's World, which is like a cult movie, Saturday Night Live movie that... Uh, I don't know. Like, I understand people like it. It's not really my my jam, but it's mm-hmm. a cheap movie based on one sketch. Where as the this movie is a really well directed, well crafted thing. Kind of yeah. like the Birdcage in that way. Yeah, no, it's something you could. It's as strange as it is to say, you can learn a lot about cinematic comedy just by watching something like the first Austin Powers and some of Spy Who Shagged Me. Less so, I, I do like that movie. Yeah, honestly, but I mean, they're yeah, they all kind of blend together for me because I've watched them all so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I do think it, it it is, in my opinion, uh, the cream of the crop in terms of spoof movies. Like, mm. I, I'm not a big fan of spoof spoofs, generally speaking. You know, the airplane movies are great, I guess, and the yeah. Naked Gun movies are great. But what this movie has that those movies don't is a central character that you can sort of hang all the jokes off of. Yeah, that's true. There's a lovingness to like the the Austin Powers character, which transcends even the parody because you. You will you will go for this movie sometimes just for that character as well, and not necessarily him being funny sometimes. Right. It's like name Leslie Nielsen's character in Airplane. What's the name of that character? I can name his character in uh, Naked Gun. I can't do it in 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 Airplane. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Like, and great movies certainly. Airplane is one of the great comedies of all time, but it's but all jokes. It's it's all jokes, it's all and generally that's not like the recipe for great cinema or great comedy in general. Like. It's one of the reasons why 
comedy has flourished on television is mm-hmm. because you can take the time to get to know these characters. You can take a season or sometimes two in the case of Seinfeld to yeah. figure out who these people are. And oftentimes you're laughing not because the joke itself is funny, but it's because that's the person saying it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and you have all this history. And this movie does a real sly, crafty job mm-hmm. of putting little bits of character building in there. And I know that's a ridiculous thing to say with a character like Dr. Evil or a character like Austin Powers, but like the scene where they're they're at the airport and like they're going through all of Austin, or it's not an airport, but they're going through all of his belongings and it's like, Mm. you know, it's the penis enlarger or it's the necklace with just the male symbol on it. And also the way he reacts to them too. The way he gives a little more character to those to those little details. It's just great. Like, yeah. yes, it's a silly bit, yeah. but like it also tells you exactly who this person is. Mm-hmm. And you know, like he's a womanizer. If for some reason, women were attracted to him in the 60s. They're not attracted to him now. <laughs> but he also doesn't have sex with the woman when she's intoxicated in, in, That's true. in the yeah, hotel yeah, yeah. room. And like all of these little things in there that it's like, He's a sex fiend, but he's also, he's got a heart of gold, and I don't feel bad laughing along with the guy. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) You know? Uh, Really crafty and subtle. For a movie that is all improvised, I feel the same way about Anchorman in that way. Ah, I know exactly how Ron Burgundy behaves off camera, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it's doing a lot of sitcom work in the first half hour of this thing that most movies don't even attempt. You know, a movie like The Hangover wouldn't even attempt it. No, I mean, Hangover's nowhere near as smart as this. And also just doesn't, I mean. Weird thing to say, but yeah, it's not. No, 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 no. It, honestly, but and nothing against the people in, in those films. I'm just not sure they're as great as, you know, performing this way in front of the camera as someone like Mike Myers is. Yeah. No, like, I'm not sure Bradley Cooper is anywhere near, uh, or did I say, yeah, I didn't, I'm not sure Bradley Cooper is anywhere near as, you know, explosively, like, entertaining and funny as, Mike Myers, you know, I don't think you could ever hope to be that. And then, you, of course, you have, like, Ed Helms. Right. And, you know, I like Zach Galifianakis, but come on. Right. Yeah, but it's like, I don't really know much about those people by the end of it. No, no. I mean, you you know, you know, Alan, for sure. Yeah, you Alan's do. the only one. Yeah. But the other two, they're just guy, you know. They're, they're just, just guys that get drunk in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. That's really... No, you have a very iconic character in someone like uh, Austin Powers for sure. More, more so than just a. It's again, sounds weird to say, but it's it is more than just a caricature. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Because I think this movie kind of has this reputation of being a joke machine and just like this very silly, random joke. But there is a lot of method to the madness here, you and, know, and some pathos. Yeah, like, like a little bit. Heart. There's, you like the guy. There, there's a lot of heart in, in a lot of the, those sequences, particularly when he's like told off by Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah. And it's just like it puts the whole his whole world in a whole new perspective and you get it immediately. Right. And he's just driving around uh, kind of like reckoning with the fact that he's pro- you know probably not as good as he thought he was, at least anymore. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's oddly touching. I'll give it that. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. I mean, and just the opening to the visual comedy of him running away from the girls. Like it's the Beatles sort of spoof there. It's and and also just the song Soul Bossa Nova, which is the theme. It's just like it's it's a Miles Davis tune. Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah. I think that's like an old Miles Davis tune. You cannot separate it from Austin no, Powers. No, I know. It's physically poor, impossible. Yeah, I, know. Now, yeah. I mean, Miles Davis doesn't need any more hits, but no. like this. <laughs> yeah, it's become the Austin Powers it, theme. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great choice. Yeah, it is. It's, it's such a great it's choice. It's one of those aha. We just had it on 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 the other show when uh, Rob was looking for theme songs, where it's like that. It, it's got to be that, it's right? Gotta, there's there's no other option. Yeah. Well, it, uh, 
it's like the Curb Your Enthusiasm story. Oh my God. Where, Wait, what is the story behind that? So Larry David is watching TV and a local car ad comes up with bub, 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 ba, da, 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 da. <laughs> but it's like a royalty free thing. It's like, you know, one of those, yeah, just pieces that you would find on a website for car ads. And he thought to himself, eh, I'm going to write that down. That might be useful for something. That's funny. A few years later, Kirby Enthusiasm, they licensed the song. And again, it's just this ridiculous tube <laughs> from a used car ad. And uh, right. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Perfect. Just perfect stuff. Uh, great movie. Uh, the uh, the the uh, Dr. Evil voice was evidently Mike Myers, uh, Lauren Michaels impression. And he first heard it from Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey was the first guy, I guess, on SNL at the time to do a Lorne Michaels voice and play him publicly. That's and funny. Dana Carvey was very upset that oh, he kind Mike of Myers kind of took it. Yeah. yeah. Is that really Lorne Michaels? How about now, you crazy Dutch bastard? Yeah, kind of. It's yeah. close. And they're relatives, at least. They're cousins. I see. Dr. Evil and Lorne are cousins. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what he sounds like. Oh, you never heard Lorne Michaels talk? No. Bill Hader has a great impression. Bill Hader's impressions are just stellar. Bill Hader was talking about, I think it was on on Fallon, and he, he was telling the story of when Lorne Michaels and him were stuck on a plane, but they were like going overseas, so they were stuck for like 10 hours. Oh, no. The thing about Lorne Michaels is he won't shut up like, <laughs> telling stories. So they're on the, so, you know, everyone on the, 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 the cast of Saturday Night Live tries to avoid sitting next to Lauren oh, on the no. plane. So they put Bill Hader and he didn't really know it was coming. <laughs> and they're on the plane and he's like telling all these stories. Because Lauren Michaels, all he does is he he name drops people that he knows, you mm-hmm. know, like old friends of his. So, you know, Bill Hader talks about being on the plane and he'll zone out and Lauren will just keep talking and he'll wake up out of context and he'll be like, the first time I met Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Bill is just zoning out and waking up again. Oh my god! <laughs> That's all Lauren Michaels does. That's funny. Uh, yeah, Austin Powers, International it's, Man of Mystery. It's wonderful. What else is there to say? You had to be there, right? It's still funny though. Like you could this this one you could still show to people and they would absolutely love it. It's hilarious. Although there are those weirdos that think the second one's better. Yeah, I disagree with that. Yeah. There, there is a. It kind of interesting. If you look at the box office numbers, I was looking at this uh, $16 million budget for the first movie, modestly priced, ended up grossing $67 million, So made a lot of money, right? The next two movies each made $300 million apiece. So that how crazy, like it must have been running on cable or it was like a big blockbuster rental or whatever. Uh, the sequel only came out two years later and it became the biggest thing in the world. That's crazy. $300 million. Like, I don't know why there aren't 10 Austin Powers movies. Well, people got sick of Mike Myers, I think, after The Love Guru. That's true. Yeah, that, that was a big... That did kill it, big right? Big disaster, yeah. Right. I, I will say, I don't hate Goldmember. It's fine. It's, but like, yeah. Half of those jokes just don't land in, in any sort of meaningful way. But it, it was before the point where it's like the jokes really didn't hit and that's that's the you know when you get to the love guru it seems like everything that 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 is that is uttered is just ugh, it's just embarrassing it's before mike myers gets embarrassing that's what i'll say you know i yeah. don't know all right gold member <laughs> <laughs> fucking gold member <laughs> i don't know gold member it's just <laughs> what a name for a movie <laughs> All right, finally, here we go. Uh, just a 
What a way to cap off this podcast. Oh, now we're doing Margaret. We're doing Margaret from oh, 2011. Yeah. Another great comedy. <laughs> Written and directed by Kenneth Lonergan. Only his second movie. Uh, starring Anna Paquin, Matt Damon, Mark Ruffalo, Jake Cameron, Jay Smith Cameron, uh, Janine Berlin, Jean, Jean Reno, Allison Janney, Kieran Culkin, Matthew Broderick. I mean, everybody. just a, a murderer's row. Just everybody. Murderer's row. A young woman witnesses a bus accident and is caught up in the aftermath where the question of whether or not it was intentional affects many people's lives. Okay, so there's kind of a story behind this movie, and I guess I should tell it because I, I don't know how many Margaret heads there are out there. But if you're not, you better get on board because this movie fucking rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie that Lonergan did in the fall of 2005. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. He showed his initial cut to the studio. The studio was like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> it is weird as hell. <laughs> Had no idea what to do with it. And they go back and forth. Lonergan comes up with a cut. The studio's like, eh, I guess it's fine. But Lonergan's like, no, I don't like it. I, I haven't nailed it yet. Back and forth and back and forth. At one point, one of the producers, Gary Gilbert, sues Lonergan for breach of contract oh my because God. he failed to deliver a cut in like a reasonable amount of time. Uh, he asked for $8 million in damages. Wow. Uh, Lonergan ended up winning the, the suit, but it still was like very traumatic for him. It, it, it certainly did not inspire any confidence in the Hollywood movie making system. Nope. Uh, at one point, Scorsese and Thelma Shoemaker are brought in to to like do their own cut. And apparently like Lonergan liked that cut, but the studio didn't like it. Mm. So I guess part of that was used for the final cut of this movie, but it it was not. They didn't get any credit for it. They did it for free just because Marty was like, I really like this movie and I think I can make it work. Okay. Um, but anyway, six years later, this thing finally gets dumped in cinemas. It bombs spectacularly. $14 million budget, $564,000 gross. Yikes. Doesn't even make a million. Lonergan has disowned the theatrical cut of the movie. He did have a director's cut that he was not allowed to call a director's cut for legal reasons. Mm-hmm. That thing is now circulating. That's the version of the movie I saw, and it's not the version of the movie you no, saw, right? No, That's no. a fucking bummer. I saw the theatrical release. You missed a half hour of the movie. Yeah. Um, but I will say, however rocky the road it was to get here, it is an extraordinary piece of cinema. Yeah, and yeah, the uh, news flash on this one. So is the theatrical release. Oh, great! It's great. Great. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it, there is a sense when you're watching uh, the theatrical release, like it has this odd rhythm that can range from being really disappointing and heartbreaking, and then it, all, it can also be really, really funny. Mm. Um, but that felt so in line with Lonergan as, ever since uh, you know I saw uh, Manchester by the Sea. It's just a similar, very like. Uh, I don't know what that that editing style is, but like where an important moment is cut short, and it's this strange mixture of like very, very, very sad, and also a little funny in the way that life right. is. If you held on the shot three more seconds, it would be a a crying line, but because you cut it early enough, it's a laugh line. I think the the best example and uh, that I can think of at the top of my head in Manchester by the Sea is when um, Lucas Hedges goes to see his dad on the gurney, and he's just like, "Okay, cut." Right. Turns around, walks yeah, away. Cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like like a five second shot. It's, right. This the theatrical release felt like that for the entirety of the movie. Right. And I was like, oh, there it is. I can see the DNA of how he likes to spool out the story and just his voice. Right. Um. 
It's also a very difficult movie, though. You know, it's just, right. I, I I understand why a studio, to a degree, might be a little frustrated. Oh, I by totally it. get it's it. Just, it's just like I mean, the movie is a mess. It's a controlled a good, mess, but it's a mess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the point because that's the character. It kind of works. That's life. It works. Yeah, yeah. It works. It works in the film's favor to me. It's just a. a I was just describing the movie as this this spur of. I mean, you could inter- interchange a bunch of scenes. It doesn't really matter like how certain scenes happen in That's the movie true. all that much. But it's just about a, a a a person searching for answers for sometimes, mostly for selfish reasons. Yes, and that's the idea. And similar to my experience with Manchester by the Sea, um, I was struggling at first to figure out like whose side this movie was on. Right. Because I'm watching it, and I'm I'm used to movies nowadays like praising a character like Margaret and being like that look at how like you go girl exactly and I'm just like you get that abortion <laughs> right I'm watching it and I'm just like okay if this is on her side I don't know how I'm feeling about this movie it was like it, I I think it's against her but then it'll throw another scene at me and I'm like okay maybe it's not against her what's the movie doing and then it gets to a very specific point in the movie where Margaret is having a conversation with the best friend of the woman who was hit by the bus and she's Berlin yeah and she says a line where it's like as she was dying I was holding her in my arms and she thought I was her daughter and she even said uh my name and it was like in that moment I kind of was her daughter yeah and I'm like oh right there it is yeah now i get it now i get it and every everything that came before it was like oh clicks everything just clicks perfectly right like ooh, ooh, this is a mean very dark indictment of this type of character it's this is it's like the worst person i've ever seen <laughs> yeah i mean so paquin paquin's such an interesting actor i mean oh my she God. is she didn't get any recognition for this by the way what the hell's going on what the fuck is going on she's such a strange actress i mean like she really when i say that she's fearless in this movie Mm -hmm. what i mean by that is she is not afraid to be the most insufferable human being on the planet yep and like she's a teenage girl too which is the other thing like you can be a charming serial killer in movies. Like you can be Christian Bale and play a play American Psycho as like a really charming guy that you might want to get a drink with sometimes. No, but you like Patrick Bateman. There is no teenage girl like this that you would like to spend any time with. No, you know, but no. I mean, like it's just not a period in a young woman or young man's life where you know good things happen <laughs> just sucks the 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 heart and soul out of basically every <laughs> interaction she has and just again i know a lot of people like this 100 percent. i grew up with so of many of people, them people yes like of course and it's just like it, it, yeah it's just a person that whether they know it or not is just it, it just always 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 making everything about them yes you know and is incapable of thinking that perhaps like you can let this moment breathe and perhaps you can let it belong to your mom or your right. friend or your boyfriend, whomever. And yeah, this is just a person. It's kind of a psychopath. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and the, the way like she plays it, the word mercurial too is often like brought up with actors <laughs> okay. like, Oh, that's such like a over the top performance. Like there's a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Sure. She's playing a different person from scene to scene. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. like sometimes like she's, totally charming and happy and like this you know a, a, a attractive young girl with her boyfriend going on dates and like it's just like a very classical teenage coming of age movie and then the next moment she will just say 
the meanest thing in the world to her mother. And it's just back to back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I, I think at the time it would have been very easy for a critic or a studio to look at this movie and be like, I see no through line here. Like there's no consistency. Like I can't relate to this person. I can't root for this person. I don't like this person. And it's like, well, sometimes that's fucking life, man. Like sometimes like, especially at this time in your life, you're learning who you are. You're learning how to be cruel. You're learning how to love. You're learning how to hate. And like, I know people that are this chaotic. I know people that sometimes you see them and they're a totally different person that, that transform and sometimes very short periods. And I still think there is a consistency to the chaos. And that's the thing that I love about this movie so much. Yeah. It feels so sprawling and so epic it's and huge, so yeah. loose. And it just, it, it's a rambling movie. It's a movie that just goes on and on and on and on. And you're like, where the hell is this thing going? It kind of has variety in the rambling to me anyway. Yeah, but but there there is, there is something there. There is a control and there is like a professionalism to it. It is really, it's a breathtaking performance. It's oh, really fucking good. Mm-hmm. It's one of the better performances I've, I've seen in a while. Yes. Certainly of that year. You yes. know, if we were doing our anti-Oscars, she would be, she'd be the one. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, she's just, she's just great. And it's one of the reasons why I'm upset. You didn't see the, the director's cut. Maybe one day you'll watch it and you'll enjoy it. Yeah. But it's not so much the length that the movie from what I understand, I, does breathe more with the director's cut because the theatrical version. Like, here's the thing: it's two over two and a half hours, and it is fast and it moves. It just doesn't let up. It's almost it's almost an anxiety trip. Right. Margaret breathes a little more. Or the, the sorry, the the director's cut of Margaret breathes a little more. Okay. Uh, the one thing though that is a major inconsistency is the sound design, and I think I the the scene at the diner between her and her boyfriend, and you can't hear their conversation. You just hear all the other people at the diner is not in the theatrical cut at all no, right it was not but there's a lot of that stuff throughout the entire movie like Lonergan had a very ambitious sound design plan for this and that's one of the reasons why it took so long to to finally finish uh there are multiple scenes where like you can't hear lisa well you know where like dialogue will drown her out or like bus noises will drown her out or the score will be too overbearing you're like what's going on with the mix here yeah and um i forget there there was uh was it uh uh oh, who was it that said that it, it's the perfect new york movie because of that yeah yeah that's a good point i forget who said but it you know the idea that you're just one person in this concrete jungle and the world doesn't care about you. The world well, that, doesn't care about your suffering. And that's a big theme in the movie. Right. Yeah. But like the sound design just nails that. It's like it, it really it, it contextualizes the specificness of her experience in an unforgiving, uncompromising world. Yeah. Something you probably only get away with in New York. Right. You know. And like that scene really teaches you the diner scene that was cut out of the theatrical cut really teaches you how to watch the movie mm. in a lot of ways. It really like sets you up for, oh, this is the type of movie I'm watching. Mm-hmm. You know, that scene in particular, she's essentially breaking up with her boyfriend or letting this boy down and neither of them are hearing each other, you know, because there's so much other noise in this diner. It's like it, it shows you the the inability for these two people to communicate. 
Uh, it's such a smart, smart, smart movie. Cinematically, I was impressed by it too. Yeah, because I was expecting it to be like, like you know, a, more of a. I mean, it is a character piece and dialogue heavy, but I don't, I don't think I was prepared for how like cinematically interesting it actually is. Yes, while never being all that showy, because that's a move that's very interesting while not being too showy either, right. which I really love. Right. Yeah. No, it's just a, it's a story about a girl essentially trying to form her narrative. Yes, which is something I loved and something I've I've criticized. Uh, other people for in their past or in my past rather where it's just like it just feels like all you care about is like making sure that your story is nice and pristine and perfect right when it's it's never going to be that way and you're quickly going to find out every every time you try to do that life's just gonna you know throw you away and that's right. exactly what happens to her right yeah that is uh, that's the interesting thing about cinema is because cinema is about artificiality yeah you know it's about presenting what's real in a fake way mm-hmm. and uh, yeah a movie like this is about a character who is fake yes and that's a hard thing to do it's a hard thing to communicate you have to portray a person that is pretending to be someone else it's two layers of acting there yeah but you doing know? it for every scene yeah which is why like it's it almost feels like she's just trying new things it's like do i want to be this way or do i want to be that way and that's why it ends up feeling so messy but I, again like to me it's completely appropriate here yeah you know like you said there th- that's the consistency with the chaos for the performance and that there is like a through line in there it's just hard to see at first yeah uh i mean just wonderful scene after wonderful yeah. scene as you said all the stuff with the sister is Great. I love that actress. Mm. I love the mom. She's in succession. Actually, both of those actresses are in succession. Oh, she's great, yeah. Jay Smith Cameron and Janine Berlin are both in succession. Yeah. Uh Jay Smith Berlin uh and Kieran Culkin also <laughs> in this movie share a lot of scenes in succession. Once you finally watch it, you'll understand mm. why it's so funny they were both in this movie together. That is interesting. She yeah, just a, a New York theater veteran is amazing in this movie. All the stuff with uh, Jean Reno's character It's weird Yeah it's so weird Doesn't he make like a A bigoted comment Towards like the Jews Yeah he Yeah does. towards the Jews And then he dies the next day I don't know if it's the next day But it's like the One of the final conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. They have mm-hmm. Yeah it's It's excellent God it's such a weird It is a weird movie Damon dude Yeah yeah Oh boy yeah, But that's a great scene too Again I think at that point too Like if you're not If you're not on the movie's wavelength And you don't sort of understand What it's trying to tell you At that point Like you're, ne- you're never gonna get it Especially when she says Oh it's just sex It's not a big deal Bye L- Literally following a scene Where she's trying to uh, Well it's, it's actually A little while later But like when you Contrast that with the scene Where she's first Trying to have sex You're right And it's <laughs> It's bad. Yeah, you see it all, man. It's bad. Yeah, yeah, you're like you shouldn't be in the room for these. Exactly. Things. It's it's yeah. so awkward. And then he, <laughs> Kieran Culkin's great in that scene too. He, he finishes early, and it's like, oh boy, that's a great scene. Yeah, <laughs> he's it. apologizing. It's like, oh god, there's a, it's 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 a it's a very raw movie. <laughs> Did the bus crash remind you of life itself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what it actually reminded me of, I thought it was a little mini 9-11 allegory. Very much so. Yeah, that yeah. was that was my takeaway from Which it. Which is weird that it came out in 2011. I know. Like, they were ready to make a 9-11 movie in 2005. And <laughs> This whole movie is seeped in that post-9-11 uh, anxiety. Yeah. Which it's, re- it's just in every single detail. And just, n- like, New York just feels, it's a lot, it, like, it ha- it's New York, so it's always a lie, but it just feels so dead. Mm. You know, particularly in the scenes where like someone's having a conversation on the phone and then you just cut to random shots of buildings and boats driving by. It's just like, you know, just life carries on like zombies. 
A lot of shots of the sky, too. Yep. A lot of shots of the sky. A lot of interludes. Yep. Uh, goodness. I fucking love it. It's a powerhouse of a movie. It's a powerhouse. And it's, it's an epic. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely an epic. Yeah, it's one of the movies. It lulls you into with its runtime. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just, you're there for so much of this person's yeah. life, you know? Yeah. It's I, like, think about it. The, the legal stuff <laughs> doesn't start until, like, an hour and a half in. Ever forever so you get just a lot of uh a lot of paquin just hanging out for an hour and a half and then you get to the point where it's like oh yeah this is what the movie should be sort of about yeah you know like that that is the very traditional legal drama thrust of the movie doesn't happen i mean the confrontation with ruffalo happens very late i know you know i know so i mean it's panderous but in the in the best possible way i just i i love it i love lonergan movies um it's it's so good and then that ending which is like I, I was reading it like it's oh in the opera yeah. yeah you can't quite tell if she's sad because she she's finally has something that's like like moving her to her core and she feels sorrow or she can't connect to it at all right you right. don't really know right right god damn it yeah it's a it's a it's a hell of a movie god damn it. I loved it no honestly I was happy that I that uh, you had me watch it and that's rare. isn't that so rare where I'm like you know Nico. Thank you for showing me a movie because it was great, and yeah, even, I, it makes me really want to check out that uh, 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 director's cut because if if the disowned theatrical cut <laughs> is as go- is that good, yeah, 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 you'll be blown away by some of the sound design, mm. some of those scenes, especially the diner scene is like yeah. it's one of the most brilliant strokes, and they cut it from the movie. It's like the best yeah. scene of the movie they cut. <laughs> stupid it's like they cut out the bees scene in in wicker man like, <laughs> yeah that's right what oh my doing? god that's so dumb what are we doing that's so dumb uh all right i feel like we have to induct one of these yeah we do i feel like there's an obvious choice and it's almost not fair that it is nominated with the other five because one is like the most important movie ever made. Oh, what, you mean King Kong? I mean King Kong. And, like, it's a classic of cinema, and, like, no Hall of Fame should not have King Kong in it. You know? That's up to you. I mean, I think... I think there's still a chance to get King Kong back. Okay. Just with how ubiquitous something like King Kong is. Okay. I'm sure he's willing to pop up again, if we don't choose to go with him here. Okay. It, it is my choice, you know, it's definitely the movie that means the most to me. And I, also, I just, you know, I just love it so, so, so much, even to this day. The fact that a movie that, that's that old can, can endure as much as it has, and it's 100 years old, and it's just such a, such a it just rocks. I feel like we kind of can't go wrong with this. Uh, no, no, I agree. Cook the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, I think, is the obvious one to cross out. I would agree. Right? Just because, you know, it's its own thing i uh, what did i what did I, what was the 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 movie i was thinking of where i was like it, it's okay to leave it with the weirdos we were doing another show where i'm like yeah yeah just leave it with the weirdos it, it's right it, let it, them have it it yeah. wants to be over here it doesn't want to be over here right. <laughs> uh and i guess birdcage and austin powers are you know they're great comedies they're kind of minor though in the grand scheme of things yeah i guess so yeah, for for me, it's it. Funny enough, Margaret's it, probably my favorite movie on the list. If I had to pick one, um, it's an interesting choice. I'm not totally opposed to it, but yeah, for me, it's yeah, Thelma, Margaret, uh, Kong. Yeah, those are probably the top three. Ooh, I don't know. I just think Kong. I mean, it's just like it's sitting there. It's like keeping Babe Ruth out of the Hall of Fame. You know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it just it it would be odd. I'm okay. I, you know, I, I would love to put King Kong in. But. I think we have to do it. I think sometimes, like, there's such an obvious choice. It's like to not put it in. Although we've 
definitely skipped out on a bunch before that need to be in. I might be shooting myself in the foot with this comment, but because mm. I, I'd like to play fair here for a change, if you can believe it. Wow. We've only ever inducted my movies on this dealer's choice. You, Is that right? You've never gotten one in. Yeah. What were the two? Uh, in the Mood for Love. And then what was the first one that we did? Uh, no, I don't remember. I think Come and See was the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, good. Fuck you then. We're doing Margaret. <laughs> there we go. Okay, congratulations. <laughs> I was being nice for a change. <laughs> no, but that's that's fine. Like that's an incredible movie like, that that nobody knows about. Yeah, watch it. It's it's fantastic. Thumb and Louise is great too. That yeah. probably deserves to be in there as it well. Does, yeah, we'll get around to King Kong because you're right. It's a little weird not having King Kong in there. Right. Yeah. All right. That's it. Should we announce what we're doing next week? Yeah, you announce it. It's not my idea. <laughs> Next week, we're not going to jip you. We're going to be here, same time, same place. We're going to talk about a man that's been in the news lately. His name is David Mamet. Yeah. No one knows he's been in the news, Nico. Uh, that's, no, that's bullshit. There's been some discourse. It's bullshit. There's, well, Fox News viewers know he's been <laughs> oh in the news. Oh, my God. Uh, David Mamet is uh, one of the great playwrights of all time. And one of the great screenwriters of all time. And we're going to talk about his movies next week. Uh, and this is apropos. we may. Well, go ahead. What were we going to say? It's apropos of a, of a news article that you read. No, not ap- No, 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 no. That's it. That's the well, only I'll, reason we're doing You want me to give you one more? Sure. He's got a play on Broadway currently. Okay. Called American Buffalo. Uh, it's a, you know, a, a revamp, a remake, a reboot of his 1975 play, the play that put him on the map. Okay. I saw that play this week. You went to New York. Oh, that's what you did. And we're gonna talk about it. Ooh. How about them apples? There you go. Look at old Nicky Broadway over here. I see. Your oh. boy went to a Broadway show. I went to the theater. Have you ever been to a Broadway show? It's my first one. Wow. Oh. Wow. How about that? Good for you. You're starting to become actually cultured. Actually cultured. Sticking my pinky yeah. up. <laughs> with your so there sh- we go. With your wine and your charcuterie boards. <laughs> so we're talking Mammoth next week. Okay. Interesting. I saw Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Rockwell wow. on the stage Holy doing Mammoth. Holy shit. Adam, five feet away from my face. Wow. Second row. How Was it packed? Your boy coughed up the tickets for the second row. I'll tell you all about it next week. Uh, how or should you, I tell it this week? I how don't did know. you get those tickets? I paid for them. <laughs> was it like filled up the theater? Oh yeah. Oh my god. I'll tell you all about it. All right, all right. There's a little tease for you next week. Cool. Yeah. Really cool. By the way, fucking Sam Rockwell. Is there a better actor in the world than Sam Rockwell? Jesus. Willem Dafoe. Hell of an actor. I mean, <laughs> but Sam Rockwell. <laughs> is there a better like come off the bench supporting actor than Sam Rockwell? No. I think he's he, he might be the best supporting actor currently working. Very few. Yeah, he's, he's funny enough. He's the best part of Seven uh, Psychopaths. Best part of everything. Everything. Yeah. Both both of his McDonough films actually. I think when he plays the lead, like I'm not a huge fan of Moon, although I like it. I like Moon. I like him it's in funny. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is all right. Mm-hmm. But when he but he's like coming off the bench, three billboards or. You know, even W, he's good in. Or yeah. not W, he plays W in the in the Dick Cheney. Oh, movie, oh yeah, uh, Vice. Yeah, my favorite supporting role is him in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's true. His best performance. 
Yeah. I saw him in American Buffalo. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. We'll, we'll talk. I, I did not know that. We'll talk on the Mammoth Pod heck, next week. Heck of a secret you've been keeping. Yeah. We're going to talk about Mammoth and all his problematic ways. And then in two weeks for the release of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, we're going to do one of your ideas. Yep. Sam Raimi. It's class about, of Sam Raimi. It's about time. Yeah. We're not going to do any of the Spider-Man movies because we just did the, yep. the Spider-Man podcast, but all of the pre-Spider-Man Raimi stuff. Yeah. There's more than you think, too. There is. There's some good ones in yeah, there. Yeah. There There's are. some good ones. All, all right. right. Love you. Until next time. I've been thrusting for 30 years. I got to see if my bits and pieces are still working. <laughs> <laughs>